What's up, fellas? Ready to talk about some good and bad games of the previous decade? <laughs> I can't take that seriously. <laughs> I thought we weren't supposed to be strict. Oh. <laughs> bad start. Uh, uh, so, yeah. What's up, assholes? Happy Saturday. Yeah. Hello. Whiskey filled up. Um, Feeling more awkward because there's a red dot on. Yeah. That's the way it goes. But, um. A, a red what? Just coming off playing some Black Mesa, you know? Yeah. Oh. Black Mesa. You, you guys are liking that game? Yeah, it's sick. Yeah. It's no, good. don't start that yet. Wait till we get to our lists. Oh, all right. So much for not you having a script. You want to tell us? <laughs> Wait till we get to our lists. No, let let's let's roll into this Black Mesa. So, we're, is we're, that on uh, a list? So, Taylor, you have a list. Is Black Mesa on a list that you have? You know what? <laughs> yes. If it is, I think you better talk about it, my friend. I should. So, what you got? I knowing what Matt was going to put on his, I subbed one of mine out for Black Mesa. Yeah. Um, so Black Mesa, it just officially came out right at the end of 2019. So I guess it barely fits into the decade. It came out, half of it came out in 2012. So whatever. But it was just super refreshing to play a game that didn't have collecting, leveling, experience points, skill trees, any of that shit. It's just massive flowing level design that makes it hard to stop. And I don't have to worry about missing anything because all I can get is ammo, health, and armor. And there's always going to be more up ahead. So while I enjoy games that promote a lot of exploration and stuff like that, I do miss, to clarify for anyone who doesn't know, Black Mesa Source has a remake of Half-Life from 1998. And back then, games didn't, hold your hand as much so there's no tutorial information besides like press e to mount turret that's as in-depth as it gets the rest of it is figure it out for yourself but that's what's interesting about it is that like you said that you know open world games promote exploration but i think that's what's like kind of cool about the game so this game is not on my list i would say it's also an honorable mention at least um but it's interesting because it's like the the beauty of the original half-life as well as this remake is that it is a linear game but it still does encourage that you explore shit. Like you still do need to hit every box with your fucking car. You still need to like go down some hallway, even though there may just be like a rack of supplies on it. Right. And like it, it, it is, I, I think it still does encourage that exploration, but like in sort of a very like linear fashion. Right. There's no punishment for missing anything. You don't have to like in a, in a giant RPG, there's always some point where, if you don't do X at this one certain spot that's 30 hours into the game and you can't return to unless you play the game again, you're going to miss this thing. There's nothing like that in Half-Life. You, you don't have to worry about missing shit. Yeah, exactly. And it, you know that they're going to keep camp for some reason. You're basically just not going to do anything, right? Like you're not like hunting endlessly for hours. Right. Well, most of the places you don't even have to kill anyone you can just run past them if you need to there's very yeah. few areas where you have thing to yeah but um the other oh, go ahead greg oh i was just gonna just clarify real quick as someone who hasn't really played the game much it sounds like the the kind of exploration you're encouraged to do is mainly for stuff like ammo health armor stuff like that that you need to actually play the game well right 
Right. The only other thing I could think would be in there is just little glimpses of storytelling. Yeah. And Half-Life's storytelling is one of my favorite because none of it's, what's, I guess, in your face. is the It word. leaves it up to your imagination, basically. Like, it's sort of like there, there's, you have to connect dots. Like, I mean, even if you look at the G, like the sort of, the, the G-Man himself is very much like a, what's the word? I don't know. He's sort of just like this, like, thing that that has a lot of like a shroud of mystery around him it's like a hint of a larger world like there's more here we're not showing it all to you but trust us and because they do it well you kind of believe it yep but then uh the original half-life had three alien worlds at the end that in total lasted like one hour and they were kind of the weakest part of the game that it seems like they just they needed to get the game out so they made these levels so that you can have a conclusion and here they are and that's kind of just how universally everyone felt. And so the team that made this game spent the past seven years remaking the last three levels of this game. And that's what bonkers. they did instead, I know, they turned it into a third of the game. So this experience is now five hours long. And the best way I can think to describe it is they took a lot of inspiration from Pandora, from Avatar. And it's just, for, a, for an engine that hasn't been updated in almost 10 years now it's really good looking and it plays really well and really fun it fits right into the half-life universe they fixed the jump module from the original half-life so now there's all sorts of platforming and it just feels really good except Um, the ladders of course the ladders the ladders are garbage (laughs) i wish they fixed those the ladders are garbage and the ai is down and destroy you constantly but ladders in video yeah. games. I don't know if I've ever had a satisfying ladder experience in a video game. Have y'all? Yeah, the ladders in um Gold Source were fine. The the yeah. Half Life was on. They're not yeah. that great. We just I think we just got used to them. Like that was the whole thing. It's like once you know how they're gonna behave, like it's like okay, that's it's fine. But like the problem with what what's happening in Black Mesa is, and I love this game by the way. This is like the only fly that is like you don't know what it's gonna do. Like when you're on the ladder, like it's going to do the like jump, 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 jump. And then the way it works is depend. So imagine you're looking flat and flat is zero. If your mouse is at negative one, which we'll say is looking up, when you press forward, you go up. If you're at positive one, which would be looking down, when you press forward, you go down. So So there is method to the madness. Yeah, it's a shitty method that they really really should have fixed, but it's there. Well, you could have right. just done, you know, there's other games that just limit Breath of the Wild and, you know, you just climb shit and then you jump off and then you climb on it again. <laughs> that's that's a good ladder system. Because <laughs> there's no ladder. Everything on climbable wall. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, and then the, the final thing about it, which I can't, I'll just say, put it this way. In Zen, they did a lot of retconning, which they for just a team of 20, just taking a property that they love, they did a fantastic job with it. So, and that's they did a fantastic job of retconning. Yes, huh? I don't want to divulge too much of it, but Matt, have you finished like, the game it, yet? Have so you gotten for, this? End? No, I, I'm only about five hours. Uh, okay. for, for those that are ignorant, including myself, <laughs> what is retconning? Uh. Retconning is when you go to a property that already had a story established and if a sequel or something came out down the line and something happened to make any sense. So you go back to the previous property to make the sequel have a better explanation. So, so like Rise of Skywalker. Yeah. Right. That makes sense. 
I think I butchered the hell out of that explanation, but you seem to get it. <clears throat> kind of like what Game of Thrones did for like the whole last set of seasons. No, what Game of Thrones did was just throw it all down the toilet. <laughs> Isn't that retconning? No, that's, no, that's not retconning. <laughs> they would uh, no. It's just just like throwing fucking sticks of dynamite at it is what that was. I don't know what the hell they boiled in. Yeah, go on forever. Not throwing Thrones is like uh, we don't know and we don't care. Bye. We have Kill our money them. now. Fuck off. Kill everybody. Sweet. Yeah. Like the story does. But yeah, so I haven't finished it yet. I am like, again, about six hours into it. I'm guessing, what, about halfway through the main story? The non-Zen one, I think? What what area are you in? I was fighting the monster that you train close. Okay, you might be halfway through, yeah? Yeah. Halfway through halfway. the Earth area. Yeah, yeah. So I'll know more within the next week. Can I ask you guys one question about this game? I'm like half an hour in, like I just got off the tram and the one thing that I, that I did, like I haven't shot a weapon. I haven't even picked up a weapon. I don't think, but I have picked up a roll of toilet paper in in one of the bathrooms in the start. Cause there's, there's a scientist in the first game asks you to pass a roll of toilet paper. And I was like, Hey, yeah, maybe I can actually do this. And sure enough, I don't know if you guys did this, but you can actually pick up the roll of toilet paper and throw it over the, the stall wall and he'll say thank you. And then something that surprised the shit out of me happened is I got an achievement. Yeah, I did. I did actually get an achievement. I didn't get that one, but there was a weird achievement that I got that was like when a head crab jumped off of one of the zombie alien guys and you kill him midair. It's like I think it was the gray matter achievement or something like that. Huh. So it's funny because like there are achievements, which is like achievements as a concept didn't exist when this game came out in the first place. Right. I was and surprised so, to see it. Uh-huh. What gray matter achievement is you have to get 20 headshots. So you shot oh. the head crab in the head 20 times. But yeah, I remember that achievement in 2012. And I thought that to me, that feels like the only useful aspect of achievements is to use them as a form of comedy. I mean, that's how most achievements are, right? <laughs> They're all, none of them are really serious. They're either comedy or dick waving. Well, I remember when Left for Dead 1 came out, I think that was the first. That was the first experience I knew of that had achievements. I think that's when they were getting started. I thought they had it with the second one. They had them in the second, but the, I know they had them in the first one. That's I played with a bunch of people, and we actually went out of our way to get as many of the achievements as we could. And they didn't have anything to do with being funny. It was just motivation to get you to play the game more. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking it up. Um, yeah, like achievements to like like kind of enshrine a funny or interesting moment. But you have to have a lot of self-awareness as a game developer, I think, to do that effectively versus achievements well, re- as a way to to drive behavior. The reason why, sorry, I'm looking this up on Wikipedia. I'm pulling a Jamie from Joe Rogan right now. Oh, so Valve actually is one of the people who popularized it. So both Xbox and Valve did it yeah, because Steam. Valve built right? it into Steam. Yeah. So it was like a core component of their platform. So, of course, they had an incentive to do it for Left 4 Dead. And then Xbox did it with the gamer score system for uh originally with halo 2 so it's funny because xbox did it funny because like i don't know have, do you guys have xboxes i don't think you do right? i've never had one. negative so they have a thing on your profile where it's like for every achievement that you earn you get like a set of points for that particular achievement and that points contributes to your total like profile gamer score score so it's kind of like a dick waving contest in a way on xbox where it's like i have like you know, whatever on my account, like 20,000 of these achievement points, right? Um, and so it's like this thing where you're like exuding your big dick energy by the amount of ch- achievements you've completed on Xbox. Yeah, that's basically all achievements are. That's the, uh, I used to be a real gaming completionist. Like Final Fantasy VII, I ran that clock up to 99 hours and I 
did everything there was to do in that game, but it's just so much work now that I don't care anymore. Yeah, especially right. with the open worlds. Right. I have experience playing. I have experience playing. Replaying The Witcher recently, where the mm. first time I played that game, um, I did every single quest and side quest in it, everyone, all of them, um, and even to the point of like in the in the Gwent tournament uh, quest, I actually save scummed so I would get the the outcome that I wanted. Mm. Um, and I started to approach it again, and I asked myself if I'm going to play this again, why why would I do that? And it ended up normally when I play a game, I go for the highest difficulty just because I'm a. This is what I like to do. I like to try to get the most I can out of every system in the game, and usually, yeah. un, unless you play on a hard difficulty, you don't have to bother. So, so that's that's what I do it's, for The Witcher when I play it. But this time around, I was like, uh, the, do I really need to want to craft potions, or really want to go through the item upgrade cycle? Like, do I, do I really need to experience that again? And I was surprised that my answer was no. <laughs> is this is this potentially a transition into one of your top games? Oh, uh, unfortunately, no. Uh, I oh, just thought wow. it was an interesting uh, uh, thing to discuss regarding achievements and kind of the way that that incentives drive behavior. I guess. Yeah. Um, well, I think I'm going to move on to one of my top three letdowns. Oh boy. Okay. Here we go. All right. Drum so roll, please. Gonna Let's it. have it. It's going to be Monster Hunter. <laughs> I didn't play Monster Hunter enough for it to be a letdown. Communicated to us excited. by by trilling the theme song. Theme song. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see. I you know what? I'll just go with Bastion first. Oh, wait. Is that a top or or, or disappointing? <clears throat> it's a disappointing. Okay. And I go with Bastion because tell us a little bit about just, the game first, just because I'm not familiar. Yeah, I'm not right. familiar either. It's kind of, I guess, top-down shooter is the best way to explain what it is. I don't know exactly what to classify it as. The confusing thing about it is I don't think it's a bad game by any means. It does lots of things really, really well. And the reason I got it is I just heard from so many different outlets and so many different people how amazing this game is. And it's beautiful. It has an amazing soundtrack. The score is fantastic, and the voice acting knocks it out of the fucking park. But the voice acting is where it starts going wrong to me, because this felt less like a game and more like an interactive story. And by that, I mean the level design... I never beat the game, because I just I probably got four or five hours into it, and I just couldn't take it anymore. But from what I saw, the level design was basically as linear as you can possibly get. The worlds, there's something that happened called the Calamity, and it made a lot of the world fall apart, and so the worlds are all just these straight floating paths, basically. They look pretty, but it's really small and boring. And as you're going down these, you clearly only have one and a voiceover is narrating the story, but it's also telling you every single thing to do as you're about to do it. Hmm. And so yeah, I'm that, looking at it. It's like it, it it is it does have like universally great reviews, like 10 out of 10 rating on Steam. IGN gave it 9 out of 10. Interesting. I've never even heard of this game. Yeah, I would definitely be in the minority saying this is one of the disappointments, but it's a disappointment because of all the praise it got and what I expected going into it. And I just I was bored out of my mind. Huh. I didn't I didn't find the story interesting enough to get me to keep playing this game that was just telling me what to do as i went along interesting you know i had a th i have a thought about this 
Um, I actually watched the, the no clip documentary about this making of this game, which I totally forgot that I watched because my memory shot. Uh, but what I think I hear you saying, Taylor, is that this is a well-made game that you just don't like. Yeah. Um, it's just not really for you. And I was just thinking back and asking myself when I when that thought occurred to me is if I remember back to a time like when I was, you know, first really getting into gaming as a hobby when I was a teenager, when any well-made game that I played was just like, I loved it. Uh, think about like Zelda, think about GoldenEye, think about how Team Fortress Classic, our, our shared heritage, right? Um, gaming as a hobby has gotten so much bigger that we don't have enough time to play all the well-made games. And we don't have to like all the well-made games. Like, I, I just think it's really cool that there's enough room in the hobby um, to have good games that you don't like. Well, yeah, and I think I think yeah. the the thing about that too is that there's a when you know back in the day, like when I was a kid, right, and I had like my N64 or my what, whatever the fucking systems I had, like you because you had to go buy this like physical thing and the actual quantity of games that were created, there wasn't as many. Like you actually had to like you felt obligated to finish it, right? Whereas like nowadays, like you can just like buy a fucking, I mean, look at Taylor here library. Like you literally have like thousands of unplayed games that you've purchased. And that's just sort of how it is nowadays. Cause there's such a quantity of games. There's a quantity and they also go on sale. That's why everyone yep. builds it up. But so the thing, all right. So I will say the, I guess Bastion interested me enough to try their next game, which is called transistor. And I considered it for my top three, but I'll just talk about it since it's related. That game, it shares a lot in common. The art style is pretty similar. I think the soundtrack's by the same people. There's a voiceover constantly talking, but I don't think it's always telling you what to do. But it's built more like an RPG, and their battle system is phenomenal. And so I played the shit out of that game, and I beat it in one day, I think. It's called <clears throat> Transformer? Sorry, Trans what? Transistor. Transistor. Huh. Never heard of it. It's extremely good. I really recommend it. Yeah, the studio are... that behind this game, um, Supergiant, I think they're called, they made yeah. a handful of games that look beautiful that people just love and adore. Um, Hades is one that they just published recently. Um, I've seen some videos of it. It looks it looks amazing. Um, and uh, probably one Pyre. more I'm not thinking of. Pyre. Yeah. Pyre yeah. looks like some sort of sports game. I didn't. don't think I was very interested in that. Yeah, I never played any of them, honestly. Check out Transistor. Hmm. Yeah, Pyre, they say, is inspired by Rocket League, which I love that game, so I would totally give it a shot. And it's on Mac. There you go. That's all you need to know. You don't need your mega PC that you just built. You can play yeah. the game that requires <laughs> two games. On my laptop. On your laptop. <laughs> hey, Rocket League runs, runs on my laptop, so hey. Rocket League runs on everything. Also, honorable mention, probably didn't make any of our lists, but also a great game. Yeah, with fantastic party power. game. <laughs> if Doomy was here, it would be his number be one. Like... And his number two, <laughs> and his number three. One through three, it's the best game. And then his top game. three letdowns would just be all the times that he, whatever the highest rank was. <laughs> yeah, so Greg, what about you? Two. What's, one of, what's one of your top boys? Yeah, um, so I got a few, obviously. Um, I guess... This isn't really a smooth transition or anything, but the top <laughs> game I want to start with probably would be Planetside 2. Um, you know... <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. I, I tried to get you to play this game, Taylor. Um, I I have the recording of, of us playing it, and there's some really solid moments in there. Uh, good comedy. You 
fucking hated it, I think. <laughs> uh, but I'll, I'll briefly describe what I liked about it. So, I mean, this list is very personal to me. My top and my most disappointing. Um, I don't just love the best games. I like the games that have some kind of meaning to me for whatever fucking reason. And so Planetside 2. Why is it amazing? Um, it is still the only MMO first-person shooter anywhere. Still. One continent, yeah. a thousand dudes with guns and tanks and airplanes. Like, that's all you need to tell people, and they get the concept. Uh, you can play with, like, up to, like, 40, 50, 60 people at a time. Granted, if you're not organized, that can be fucking hell. But when you see it pumping, it is just dope. Uh, and I guess if I had a headline for this game... This is going to require a lot of context. Is that to me, it's come the closest in terms of game feel to being a spiritual successor to Team Fortress Classic. Um, you know, I thought that about the first one too. Like, I, I I had never played the second one, but I really enjoyed the first one a lot. Um, and it did it, it it did have that same sort of like just wonderful feel to it. Like everything felt right. Like it yeah. was. And and the collaboration that you have to have in that game, it is a really good one. I'm sure the second one is like just as good, if not better, right? So, yeah, yeah. The second one, I mean, they modernized a lot of the mechanics. They made everything kind of faster and tighter. Um, but it's basically the same game: uh, territorial yeah. control, three factions, um, big squads, big fights. Um, and uh, it's it's not like the fastest moving thing ever made, but it's not like tactical speed. It's not a drag by any stretch in terms of the just the boots on the ground uh, gameplay. But what what I love about these kinds of games that have a sense of scale to them um, is that they have different kinds of pacing in their gameplay loops. So you have like the moment to moment gameplay loop of moving around, maneuvering your dude, shooting, taking cover, that kind of stuff. Um, uh, and within uh, around that, there's a larger gameplay loop of trying to capture a base with your bros. And then starting that, there's an even larger gameplay loop of trying to capture the continent, trying to contain the other factions to their territory. And um, within that, those different gameplay loops, switching between them or um, just naturally within them, there are periods of downtime where you know you die, you reset, or you have to travel to a new place, or you're going over what to do and how to approach it. And those moments of pacing where you're not just in, in combat are, I think, intrinsically important to building communities. Um, and I think, and I'm going to talk about some of the other games that were disappointments to me, uh, that one of the big downfalls of multiplayer games that don't build great communities are because they don't leave enough room in the pacing for you to actually talk to someone. Yeah, I remember yeah. discussing that previously. Because that ties to the whole, like, move towards, um, what's that shit called? But uh, uh, matchmaking. Like, it is, there isn't any, like, conversational elements. You're just, like, jump in and you're just like, let's play! Like, there's no community aspect. I gotta win. I'm gonna be number one. You're all gonna be <laughs> one. I am. Yeah. We're not winning. Yep, exactly. Lose. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And that, to me, is what I loved about Team Fortress Classic. So I'm going to briefly go over TFC. Um, TFC was a Half-Life mod, a Half-Life 1 mod. And it was a multiplayer game where you play Capture the Flag with yourself and your buddies and one team against another team. The, person, the people to capture the most flags over a 30-minute round won. Um, within that, you can play different player classes with different abilities, movement speeds, things like that. Um, you can play a fast-moving scout. 
that can use concussion grenades to fly through the air and move fast and is used for offense for flag capturing or you can play like a slow moving soldier who's got a rocket launcher which is a fun weapon that you can use to either hurt dudes or to propel yourself in the air to move faster at the cost of some health for yourself um and the three of us all met playing this game um i i uh liked it enough at the time that i played it that i decided to try making a clan and that's how you and i met taylor uh i don't remember if i was there for your tryout i think that might have been when con was running the show for a little while no that fucking asshole said i wasn't good enough and didn't let me in <laughs> did you guys meet in a pub or is that how you guys formed the clan because that's how some of the early tfc clans formed i was in a five versus five clan with nig who was in mh playing with a nig and then i met repair and to silencer and i just started playing with them all the time and, and you met I them met... in a pub no it was just a irc yeah i mean i'm sure a pub at some point because that's how everyone meets that's how you find out about irc that's how you found out about the website that we all hung around yeah yeah and there's a you lot know what's of... funny is you know how you know how i got into the tfc community i always assume it's like people get into pubs like that was like the most common story right you like are in some pub server and you, you ask about the clan and then you join the clan and then you're somehow in that tfc community that's all a lot yep. of the game community started i actually started um because little known factoid i played counter-strike before i played cs uh or sorry counter-strike before i played tfc yes i know who would have ever thought um but in beta 5 and i was a writer for cs nation like way back in the day like i was heavily into counter-strike huh. and we have this like alaska counter-strike clan because i was living in alaska at the time and uh i was in there and then there was a friend of mine in that clan who was also like heavy into tfc and he had a TFC clan. He was like, hey, we're looking for people. Do you want to try playing this game? And I was like, yeah, sure. So I joined this. This was like 2000 or something like that. And uh, I joined his TFC clan, like never playing the game ever. And we ended up like competing in TFL. It just like got completely destroyed. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was pretty. It was, that's how I got into TFC. In the first so you, did you have any more you wanted to add about that, Greg? About Hell TFC? yeah. Hell yeah. Um, I guess the only thing to, to say is that uh tfc to me is like in a lot of ways the standout experience i've had playing video games of having the experience i wanted where it became about that community and about that clan for me uh, about what i can do to to um make that that thing run and to connect with those people and to make a make a tfc home for anyone who wanted to be there essentially that uh right got to be very meaningful to me. I remember one day, Taylor, and I know you remember this too because you still tease me about it, that one day we were playing in a match and it was going to shit and I flipped my I flipped my top and uh, and you decided that it would be a good moment to uh, remind me it was just a game. You remember that? Uh-huh. Who were you playing? Uh-huh. I, I don't know. I remember we were playing a Torch 2. I don't remember anything else. I hated this that This was map. The, the remake of MH, which was not as strong as the original MH. Wait, was yeah. it playing my team? Because I remember we slaughtered you guys. The remake of MH got slaughtered by a lot of people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we were not as strong as the original incarnation. But do you remember what I said in response to you, Taylor? Um, no, it's not. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. And and here's the thing: I still believe that. <laughs> I no, still believe. I still believe that games are more meaningful than the the mindless, indulgent distraction that they can otherwise be. And that's why I'm why I'm talking to you guys. So Sounds And that's why I love about Planet Side too. I will agree with that in regards to Team Fortress Classic, because 
Uh, Team Fortress Classic is now making me a lot of money lately because Scorcher, who was in MH, turns out he became a video editor, which is also what I do, and they needed more people to edit stuff, so they're just throwing work at me left and right lately. Cash money. So that's been nice. Yeah, it's funny. There's there is actually weird situations like that where like Black Lab, I think you guys remember him. He and I like worked together when I was still working at my last job and he was working at at a company that we had he was sorry, I think our largest account, I think, and he was like the main implementer. It was kind of a bizarre like situation where TFC crossed paths again. Right. As we all become adults. That's why I like this was we were it's like we took a break and then we've all come back together, or a handful of us at least. And we're all just for the most part or in some form, helping each other with our careers, be it just bitching about it. Like, <laughs> since Griffith, Griffith is the only other artist that is regularly on here. So I've sent him so many messages about the stupid shit that I have to do because he's the only person who's going to understand my complaints. <laughs> so I've been to him all day. Should have changed careers. <laughs> You're just complaining in every career. <laughs> but <clears throat> I would say one of the um, aspects that we don't praise TFC for enough and that no one really thinks about is the writing. And what? by that, I mean that the, the game itself is what attracted us because it's really fun. But I think the insane teenage drama is what kept a lot of us around playing because there was, there was assholes everywhere. The game mm-hmm. was full of arrogant teenage assholes and beating them felt great. And they all played in the same clan, in the same fucking guilds. They did. <laughs> yeah, they all did. It was Ultima, Blink, Nam. Uh-oh, here come the call-outs. Faye. I can't remember all the rest of them, but there was just a ton. And that became a big motivation to play, was the drama. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there yeah, were good guys a, this... and bad guys. There were clowns like Matt. Yes. There's a funny Jeez, story, I think. Write-ups. Yeah, so what happened was, this is actually a funny thing, because I, I always took a lot of pride in the write-ups that I would do, because write-ups were like a big part of the post-match culture, oh, yeah. and usually, you know, you have the people that just didn't give a shit and would just write, like, GG or whatever the, whatever they wanted to write, but, and then you had the people that were just, like, trolls and would just, like, just rage out, and then you had people like me, who... I would like spend like three hours on a write-up because I was so in depth about it. And I think we were playing this clan that talked a lot of shit. It was like malevolence. I think was the name of it. Like they weren't part- particularly a good clan, but they were just kind of like, you know, they're, they're average. Um, and we like slaughtered them after them talking so much shit. And there was like a lot of hatred between some of the two, the people within each of them. And we just beat them so bad. And as a write-up, I actually wrote their clan name on a piece of paper and then I jacked off onto it and posted that as the ride. <laughs> and I got banned from TFL for like a month or something. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's still worth it though. So <laughs> that's how we had, that was also the time. This is another beautiful part about TFC is like the fake personas. So we created a, a fake clan member that I just came back as. <laughs> what was the name that you used? Cancerous McNipple. Oh, of uh, course. <laughs> Which funny is because when I mentioned that to Taylor, I think like two years ago, he was like, oh, I thought that was a real person. I, did. I thought so, I too. Seen, you like went as far as making posts on the catacombs. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was very in-depth. So. <laughs> but yeah, see that? I don't, well, I mean, I'm in my 30s now, so I just don't have time for 
getting into an online community like that. But our community was, what was our number? Probably somewhere between one and 2,000 people, right? Yeah. No, there's more than that at the Hard to estimate, honestly. I think there were but, like 600 people in the Catacombs Discord right now. Everyone, for the most part, everyone knew everyone in some form. Everyone knew small. what was going on. Yeah. So yeah. when all these weird fucking crazy things happen, it's a community event. And I, I don't, like in Planetside 2, you're one out of a thousand playing at the same time in a server. Okay, that's really the funny same. you say that because I was about to come out on the other side of the exact same thing. That's what I love about Planet Side because even though you can have a thousand dudes on a server, they're all playing on the same continent on the same server. So realistically, if someone from your server does something crazy or stupid or flames somebody out in Reddit, which happens all the damn time, you're going to run into them and you're going to get your buddies together and you're going to fucking gank them. Like, <laughs> that's... Yeah. And that was the TFC way too. Is you get your guys together and you roll them. Like, yeah, that's true. It that we were teenage games. <laughs> yeah, there was nothing more satisfying than some assholes shit talking you for an entire week, match, and then you just beat them into the fucking oh, ground. Yeah, it felt good. Yeah, crush your enemies. Ah. leave nothing behind. That is what's good. Destroy. There was. Oh, I I wish I had it loaded up so I could play it. Maybe you can edit it in if you want. Okay. But I still have, um, there's, do you guys remember Westside? Yeah. He was a douche. So <laughs> he ran, he ran that ultimatum clan that we, I was in a clan called TDA and we were about to get the largest win streak in TFC, which was towards the end of it when a lot of people stopped playing. That's why it was possible. But there was this guy and he had a known cheater in his clan and he got caught cheating again. And so, I may, I got it. I spent like two weeks of my life talking to um the league, and I got everything overturned. <clears throat> and then I go and I make a thread on a, that the whole community was based on called the Catacombs. Oh, I'm telling the wrong fucking story. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, you're so old. Anyway, repair would sometimes repairman would sometimes read out people's posts out loud, and this just I remember that. And he did one in Westside, and it was, uh, what did he say? You will feel the carnage, and it won't just be a win. It will be a blowout. We'll see you Monday. Gonna stop posting on this board now, as I feel I have said everything that I need to. Bring some preparation H, Master Jeff. Your anal is gonna be mighty sore. Bring some preparation H, Master Jeff. Your anal is gonna be mighty sore. I remember that. You have that recording somewhere? I have that, and I have one he read of from a... Oh, that's where I was going with it. Curve was in the soldier guild we were in, who I thought cheated as well, and I got him kicked out of that, and then we overturned the U thing, and he was like, Just make sure you bring your bitch ass to play next week and leave it on the field. Just keep in mind, at this point, I have no remorse for anything that's going to take place in the days to come. You can take the title, you can kick me out of a guild, accuse me of cheating, but there's one thing you can't take away from me. And one thing I'm going to take from you, you fucking disgrace. <laughs> Done posting on this shit. Just be sure to bring it all to the field and leave it there. You can kick me out of the guild, you can take my title, but I'm going to end you, or something like that. And Repair's <laughs> reading of it is just beautiful. Send me what you got, yeah, I'll edit that shit in. Alright, I'll, I'll send them when I can find them. 
but yeah, TFC Beautiful. was a magical experience that never going to happen again. It's yeah, true. yeah, we'll we'll never be those dudes again. So, no. rip no. my childhood. All right. Well, so what is one of your bottom three of the decade, Greg? All right, this is going to be less exciting, so I think we would all agree on it. Um, the one I'll start off with is Destiny Two, most disappointing yeah, game of the decade. So I agree, and people love it too. That's the thing is like yeah. it's, it's very loved, but it's just like it just it exploits everything that's terrible about online games. Right, that's now. the fucking theme yes. of my life now is figure out why dumb shit. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, Destiny Two, just for for posterity. Is a first-person shooter game by Bungie, which are the dudes who made Halo, and Halo is supposed to be great, so therefore Destiny is going to be great, right? Um, I started playing it after the Forsaken expansion came out last year, which is beloved by fans because it basically salvaged a horrible Destiny 2 release, which was done solely to get marketing dollars for Activision. So Destiny, uh, Bungie made Destiny 2. They put out two shitty expansions everyone hated. Curse of Osiris and Warmind. They put together a good expansion everyone loved, Forsaken. They cut ties with Activision. And then everyone was like, oh shit, Bungie's about to get fucking real. Destiny's about to get good as shit. <clears throat> and that's when I came in. Um, the game plays beautifully. It looks amazing. It looks like all the dollars they, they spent on it for audio, visuals, everything. Uh, but uh, the campaign play is just a snooze fast it's terrible uh, maybe it's different on on a console if you're playing with a controller with the pc though it's just a joke um the real meat and potatoes of the game is supposed to be uh in progressing your dudes okay rewind i'm not going to get into all the mechanics of this game because fuck that <laughs> the headline is the game hints at depth that is not actually there and what depth is there is so far out of your reach and irrelevant to the main ways of progression that it doesn't matter. It's best left to content creators, which you watch on YouTube. The lore of this game makes no fucking sense. The storytelling is terrible. And um, I thought I was going to get into this game, find a community of bros to play with, and sink a thousand hours into it. I thought I was going to go to raids. I thought I was going to get like have stories to tell from the crazy shit that went down. But none of that happened. Because... The way that the game is structured doesn't actually incentivize you to make persistent connections with other, with other players. Um, the connections you make are transactional because the game is not set up in such a way to require you to have to work together with people over a medium to long term. <clears throat> so, yeah, that's I, it. I, I think, did I even play? What yeah. did I play with you? I, I yeah, played you played Destiny, Destiny with you. for a little while. What did we do? Uh, you started playing through the um, the vanilla campaign when it when it came out for free, I think, back in like September. I beat the whole campaign single player by myself. Oh, but shit. I, I know I played the game with you, but I can't remember anything that I, did. It's because the shit you do when you when you're not playing the campaign is completely completely unremarkable. You're going to a place and you're repeating events that don't mean anything. You're getting drops that don't mean anything, and the drops are so random that. If you want something specific, you got to repeat something fifteen hundred times. It's a uh, blah. Right. That's that's kind of. Oh yeah, I'm remembering now. So we we have a friend in Discord who plays Destiny two like every day of his life religiously. Oh yes. And so we went to his Discord server 
with a bunch of people who played there, oh, and yeah. we, I don't think we liked any of. Them. Yeah, who plays it all the time? Uh, my friend Will, whose name is WTF88. Oh yeah, yeah. He's he's obsessed with Destiny. Yeah, too, he's a Destiny acolyte. But it's the point of the game is to kill things to get better weapons, and then you're just using those weapons to kill more AI who are to begin with. But then the only other place where the weapons matter is the death match. And so when you're new to the game and your weapon shitty and you're playing against the people who've been playing for however long the game's been out now and their weapons are fantastic, you have no chance in hell. So what's the point of playing? Yeah, the, 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 yeah, the, uh, the competitive game is rough on new players. At least it was when you played because it was heavily tilted um, and balanced, not towards the, the gun play, which you might come in with some kind of ability to do, but towards um, the ability play. So oh, yeah, yeah. what you play as in Destiny is is more similar to like an RPG type of class than it is to like just hopping into Master Chief's boots um, where you have like an ultimate ability, you have like like little mini abilities and they all and, and special grenades and shit like that. And um, the game in the multiplayer revolves or it revolved at that time around the use of ultimate abilities, which there's almost no counterplay for. So that's what I call press Q to win. <laughs> Taylor, Taylor, I I still had the vod of you and I playing multiplayer that one night, and I I played back one part of it for my wife. Remember when you were singing that song about how miserable of a time you were having? Yes. I played that back for my like... wife, and I had her howling, man. <laughs> Game. She was dick. she was reveling in your misery. <laughs> Can't tell who my teammates are. Who are you? Are you on my team? I don't know. Just shoot everyone you see. That's how you play Destiny. Miss, 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 miss a lot. Miss and die. Miss, miss, shoot him and miss. Miss and then you're dead. Dead, dead, dead. You're gonna die. Fuck you. Hit the special button. Then die. You got shot by someone, but who? You don't know where, where, who, who, oh no, you're dead. What's going on on the screen? I don't know. Well, I'm glad someone enjoyed it. But yeah, it was just stay or not even stay alive long enough just play the game long enough until your super meter fills up and time to get a few points press that button and you killed three people well you get to do that again soon it's, it's <laughs> yeah. just a repeat of that over and over yeah you know any kind of game with rpg elements has loot as like a it has to have loot as a MacGuffin, some kind of progression yeah. for your character and that's okay like i don't mind that Destiny's loot driven, but it's the experiences that you need to go through to get that loot that make the game what it is or what it's not. And unfortunately, Destiny just completely misses the mark with giving you fun, enjoyable social experiences to have in order to get what you want. Well, and, and that's the problem too, is that like, unless you started at the same time as everybody else, you're kind of shafted, right? You can't just like enter in and start enjoying it in a way. There is some catch-up mechanics. Yeah. Like um when when Taylor was playing, I think the max light level, which is like your your power level, was I think around 750 and he was able to boost up to like 650 or something um just by getting to the to the end game. That's kind of like that's how um in Borderlands 2 when you you beat the game the first time and then you get hard vault hunter mode and then if you beat it again you get true vault hunter mode. So if you're playing on true vault hunter mode and you get a friend to join who has never played the game at all before when you complete the first mission they jump up 13 levels that's how much experience points you get from completing a mission power leveling baby 
Yeah, maybe it's the same thing in Destiny 2. But speaking of terrible story in Destiny 2, which did indeed suck, the other thing that really sucked about it, and this is a trend that I see a lot and I don't get the point, and another reason I like Half-Life and Black Mesa Sword do this, you play as a silent protagonist, but then you have this sidekick with you who speaks nonstop. Why not just make your character the person who speaks? Because then you'd be talking to yourself. And then you can't roleplay. Yeah. Because you can't make up your own story for your character. No. Yes. Yeah. I just I hate it. I feel like it's pointless. Un- unless it's you're a schizophrenic tired. character. Then it could be really interesting. <laughs> that would make a much <laughs> That would be fantastic. A game where you like you you're a schizophrenic character and shit just appears and shoot it and then bullets and bullets are a precious resource. That would be great. Yeah. Write that down. Make it a game. Give Brilliant. Royalties. Done. Guys, I'm going to reconnect Thanks. to the Discord real quick to try to inhibit my crackling. One sec. Okay. Drum, but, drop a bunch of F-bombs right now. Oh, fuck. <laughs> All right. <Back. laughs> uh, you may... Anyway. Well, if he's not in here, he can't record that. True. Yeah. So You Unless missed you all of our recording. F-bombs. It yeah. was great. Fun, friends, food, like those kinds of words. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic, mm-hmm. freedom, farts, and of course, fuck. Yep. <laughs> the big <laughs> F. <laughs> okay. Right, I think it's Matt. Matt's turn. My turn? All right. Do it. Well, um, let, I'm going to start with the bad one because that's because you guys are all starting with good ones. So let's start with the bad one. Uh, three. So I'm going to start with one that I don't think either of you had played because you guys aren't console gamers like I had been for quite some time. Um, the, the, and this is regarded, I think is like, actually like does make it a lot of lists and it, and it was something that I think I hyped up quite a bit. And that is going to be call of duty black ops. Um, that, so to give a little context, this is like one of the earlier picks. So like the rest of my games that I've chose for this whole list are like much more recent, but call of duty black ops was the game that I played after call of duty to call of duty, modern warfare Two. And Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 was such a, like, awesome game because it sort of, like, really, like, was the start of that shooter genre on the Xbox platform. I mean, it was on other other platforms, too, but, like, it was really on Xbox. And it also had a really good single-player campaign associated with it, which a lot of those games tend to, like, swing the pendulum, like, one way or the other in a lot of ways. And Black Ops kind of marked the start of this, like, forced interaction and almost like the Madden-ifying of all of the Call of Duty games, where basically you know people are going to buy it because it's a Call of Duty game, not because it does anything really interesting. So yeah. it, it's just, it was just like not what Modern Warfare 2 was. Modern Warfare 2 is a great game. And it just was, it was not that. Like the whole, I mean, this, this came from Advanced Warfare, but like, you know, the whole meme online, the press F to pay respects, that sort of like forced interaction that takes uh-huh. place um this was like the start of all of that with the whole oh. franchise in general um that it didn't come from that game it came from the next set but like it was that type of shit where it's like press f to agree or like press y <laughs> to nod your head and it's like just shit like that that it's, it's like, like a story why? qte yeah exactly it's such a waste of time so anyways i'd be pretty funny that game. i can and, amazed that call of duty was even on your radar at all yeah, no, I mean, Modern Warfare 2 is one of my favorites. Like, that game is so good. It, it, it's, I mean, it's obviously dated because it came out in, what, like, 2007 or 2008, something like that. I played it on 360, so that was a long time ago. Um, but 
it's just not a good game at all. So any franchise that has annual releases, I just that's a big turnoff to me. Are there any good ones? Sports games. I don't. Well, see. No, no. That, that's the thing. Is sports games are good ones because they like barely move the needle each release. It's like okay, we updated our player yeah. list and incrementally improved the graphics. Safe bets. <laughs> so the thing about like Assassin's Creed and Call of Duty, they're well, not so much Assassin's Creed anymore. They're annual releases, but it's Call of Duty is divided up by a bunch of studios. Yeah, so they have different gonna, ones because they have like yeah. Modern Warfare, they have and Black Ops. They're huge games still, or at least I assume they are. I've never actually played one through because it just looks so bland. But it's still got a whole probably two to three year development life cycle to it. Yeah. But there's just something about it being an annual <laughs> release that makes me want no part of it at all. Yep. And I no. played, um, I think the only, I bought, I was in Goodwill and I saw Modern Warfare ps3 for five bucks so i figured this will be my only chance to try this game modern warfare 2 sorry you cut out or the first one three okay i lasted 15 minutes before i never yeah that was the downfall like that that franchise was good like it it, in the early days of it it was fantastic i mean you could probably say the same for madden right like madden was great franchise at first too before it started getting soulless and incrementally updated but like it's sort of like Black Ops was an interesting one because that was like the pivot to the cash cow that it had become that it has become. So, and it, it still universally is regarded as like a really great game, but I just I just it wasn't for me. Like again, because Modern Warfare Two was so good. So, but yeah, speaking about the forced interactions, I I always wonder what what is the decision process behind that? Why not just make it so that it's something my character does why do i need to press f yeah like a game is that is that it that's the best i can think well and and this is the thing with like a lot of games and i'm gonna i don't want to well this is actually a talking point for one of my other shitty ones so i'm gonna i'm gonna save this point about forced interactions um anyways uh so was there anything else that about the game that bugged you I mean, I don't know how the game plays. I never played it, but it seems to me like those must be a small part of the game. No, that that is, but it, but again, it was like it was interesting because they the, their stories tend to be good, right? But they still force you into this interaction path, and the mm-hmm. online really wasn't that different than some of the previous games, in my opinion. And so it was just sort of like I don't know. Uh, it, started to it, turn it, inward it, a little bit as a yeah, franchise. and I and I started and they started making a lot of safe bets like. I still think to this day, so going now I'm turning this into like a whole like Modern Warfare 2 like highlight reel, but like the ending of Modern Warfare 2's single player campaign is like one of my favorites, like because it's so good because and I'm going to totally spoil this, but I doubt anybody's going to play this because it's like a fucking 12 year old game at this point. But the the end of the single player campaign, like there's this animation that you have when you die in the game and you get shot, right? And you sort of fall over and you have that similar thing that happened in Half-Life where your like head is sideways and you kind of like are looking at this weird angle. So you know you're dead when your head is sideways, basically. Um and the the interesting thing about that is at the end of the game you die and you're like, oh fuck, so I need to like retry this whole section of this final mission again. But there's this point in the game where they this other character like throws you this knife and you actually start to get like the hint of coming alive and it's like the biggest like m night Shyamalan style twist in a game where you expect the gameplay that you're dead but you're actually not dead 
because you have this like last breath of life in you to like take this knife and stab this guy. And so it's like, it, it was a really interesting twist to it. And Black Ops just didn't really have anything like that compelling with a single player story. I mean, it was just a very safe thing with, you know, you have action, cutscene, action, cutscene. And that was basically it. So it's like with Modern Warfare 2, they hit the bottom of the barrel. Yeah. No, because I, I saw whatever most recent release they have, it's like they've, they retconned. They did, there's that word again. Didn't they go back to a character they previously killed and now they've just again? I don't know. I haven't, I haven't played the most recent one, to be honest. That's the big thing about it is they brought back a fan favorite who was killed in these games. And hmm. I guess they just didn't like that. So they've just created an alternate timeline or alternate universe where this guy's alive again. Is it? No, it looks like the... it is Modern Warfare then. It's a, uh... yeah. I'm looking at the Metacritic scores for these games, specifically Modern Warfare 2 and Black Ops, and they both have like mid 80s uh, scores, which is very good, but their user scores yeah. are abominable. Yeah, but Modern Warfare 2 is great. Um, but yeah, Black Ops is just, yeah, it's just shitty. Just pay to review. Strange. Uh, the, uh, the user score system on Metacritic, is that like the way that the, uh, the tomato rating works on Rotten Tomatoes, where there's kind of like the user score and the critic score? Yeah, exactly. So the, the user score is the user score that people just post their comments on it, whereas the rest is just an aggregate of all critics. It's the unwashed mob. Okay. Yeah, I just, I don't, I guess college frat bros are who to thank for the success of Modern Warfare. I'm not Modern Warfare, Call of Duty. Yeah. Hey, we needed those frat bros to grow as a hobby, man. Games are a lot That's bigger the than they were before those frat bros got involved. That's true. That's the same reason Halo is so successful. Their franchise yeah. don't understand. Yep. Do you guys have this thing that happens to you where you have someone in their mid-20s like reminiscing about when they got into gaming, talking about how like Halo was like the beginning of when gaming became <laughs> relevant? And yeah, just you, get like this like fighting a fighting a gag reflex when you hear someone say that. Yeah, I'm like, bitch, have you played the original Doom? Go fuck yourself. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but then I know there there are dudes out there like like hyper nerds that are like, bitch, what about Wolfenstein? Commander Keen. <laughs> yeah. You don't know shit unless you played a command line mud, you fucking asshole. <laughs> uh. Uh. Oh man. Anywho, so the good one. <laughs> yeah. Let's let's uh, uh yeah let's take move away from the shitty genre. So I'm gonna say the cliche one because I, I this is such a cliche answer in general, but it's breath of the wild. I mean, it's made every single top best of decade list out there, Ooh. and it is for reasons and i i know taylor you have probably this one on your list too but like it, it was interesting for me because like i had taken a hiatus from playing games for like three years or so and that was actually the first game that i played um besides like you know bullshit on my phone like angry birds and all those so shout out to angry birds honorable mention <laughs> 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 uh the breath of the wild was such an interesting game because the way that it like so, you know, talking about Black Ops versus this, the forced interaction of Black Ops versus the ability to, like, interact if you want, and you can, but you also don't have to, and that's cool, too. Um, and I think the fact that, like, it, you know, the open world games have been around for a long time, but, like, an open world game that you can actually truly interact with everything, and there isn't one interaction for every item, but rather, like, a lot of different types of interactions with it. And so, like, a great example of this, and I think you should link this, Greg, and if you do an edit to this or, or whatever, but, like, um, Donkey's video on Breath of the Wild, I think is, like, such a good example of how 
like why breath of the wild is so good he just does crazy shit like he takes a raft and puts those like puffer fish things on him and then like makes the raft float and then he's like taking his fucking korok leaf and like blowing it around in the sky and turns it into a plane like there's shit that you can just do like that that is totally possible with how they built the engine for it so right that's so um yeah breath of the wild was originally on my list but i took it off because but another one that almost Wait, made why'd my you take list, it off sorry you cut off i took it off my list because i knew you were going to have it so i yeah. just went with black mesa instead but oh. in in terms of number of hours spent on a game in the past 10 years breath of the wild is the top spot for me well and it's huge right because it's like i i spent almost 200 hours on it and right that's about where i am too yeah, and I have when they, you know, at the end of the game, they show like what your completion rate is, and it's like thirty three percent, and like, so that's, it's like I had a lot more I could do. A yeah. lot of that is just finding the damn Korok seed. Yeah, but, the Korok seeds are a lot. What you're talking about with um, with the engine where it's just kind of built where you just use your brain and think about how you want to do something. That's why I had Metal Gear Solid Five on my considerations. That came out in 2015. And that was the first time I'm playing a game and I could start thinking about how to solve problems in the game like I could solve them in real life. Yep. Like these in so many games when there's a base and they put a fence around it, if you hit it with a car, your car just, you know, stops and explodes, right? Yeah. Well, in this game, you just break the fucking fence down because that's what would happen in real life. And so yeah. the the real life expectations of things are how I can approach things in Metal Gear Solid Five and also Breath of the Wild. Like if I, there's some part where you, some puzzles where you need to bring electricity to places. And if you, if you can't figure out the way that they intend for you to do it, you can just go to the source of electricity and lay metal weapon. I to love that where too. It's supposed to go. Yeah. And then you've solved your problem. Or yeah. if you're cold in a certain area and you don't have like a warm outfit, you pull out one of your fire weapons and it warms you up. Right. Yeah. And then also if you kill an animal with that fire weapon, you all of a sudden have seared steak instead of raw meat. Yes. <laughs> it's like shit like that. That's like makes it so good. And 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 to add to that, like the atmosphere that they created, and like don't get me wrong, this, I'm ignoring the story right now. The story is fantastic, but like the way that they create the atmosphere with how the music is dynamically dynamically generated based on the moments that you're in and how it changes like if it's sunrise or if it's sunset or in the world that you're in and like speed up and slow down. It's like crazy. And, and one of my favorite details of this, and, and this is something that I, I watched this YouTube video down the line about like why the music game is so good. But there's this side quest in the game called Terrytown. Um, and you basically like, it's this new town that's like forming in the game. And there's like, there's people like settling and, and the whole like shtick of the side quest is that like, you're getting people to like kind of settle in this, this town from all the different areas of the map, from like the Goron city, from like the Gerudo city, et cetera, et cetera. And the music, that, the, the cool part about this is the music that plays there as the people from the different areas of the map like of the of the world sorry start settling in Terrytown. the music evolves to add these like layers of music that sound like each of the regions that those people are from and so it like dynamically generates as time goes on and that shit was just like completely crazy to me um as you're sort of completing the mission the, the music evolves as part of the story so yeah Terrytown. i had to look up how to do that that was that was going to be a lot of work it was i didn't finish it but it was still cool I think I got to the oh. point where I recruited everybody, but I need to get some more logs. 
<laughs> and then you get distracted when you're collecting logs to, like because you decide to like set up a couple <laughs> oh shit my axe broke all right i guess i'll finish this later yeah and that's that's the interesting thing about breath of the wild to me is the the, the objective there is to build a fucking town by just going on fetch quests and on boring as shit but they made it really engaging and fun and it's all because of that giant endless world and did you guys get the dlc or did you beat the dlc i didn't beat it i haven't i played a little bit of it. i haven't gotten to him yet do you know what happens when you beat the dlc which one um the final beast oh no i don't i'm actually on that quest i know you want to talk about it though i'll take my headset off if you want to talk about it it's not really a spoiler it doesn't go for it it ruins so when you beat the final beast you get a fucking that you can just summon out of nowhere you know what? Sorry, you cut out. A motorcycle. No. Oh yeah, I've seen that. You can you can spawn a motorcycle, and I kind of wish. I, mean, I guess they have it with horses. That's what the horses were for. <clears throat> but I kind of wish that was available all game because by the time I got it, I had seen most of the world. But being on the motorcycle removes any desire to use the uh, fast route to get to other places because instead you just rock a fucking motorcycle, and then when you get in a fight with a guardian on because you're you're invincible. They can't possibly kill you. So it's just, I don't know what my point was. Well, it's a, it's it's a power progression thing, right? Like, yeah. when you're on foot, you're very vulnerable, especially against any guardian, before you get any ancient weapons or any way you can, or know how to deal with it. Like, I just yeah. found out that you can reflect their blasts, like, in the last few hours of gameplay for me, which changed everything for, about fighting those fucking yep. things. Um, so yeah, when you're on foot, you're very vulnerable. When you're on a horse, you're you're fast, but you still can be knocked down. And I guess the motorcycle is that last level of of mobility, power progression. Um, but I yeah. I take your point though about fast travel. And honestly, I try to avoid it in that game whenever I can. But here's I find this in Skyrim too. Actually, what I've come to with it is I tell myself if I want to fast travel, just fast travel, because it means I'm, I'm not in the mood to explore. I just want to get something done. But to try to listen to my mind and be like, do I want to explore or do I want to just achieve something and kind of let that inform what I do? I think if I was really dedicated to a mission, I would fast travel. Like if there's something I was doing that like I just didn't, you know, if I was super dedicated, it was fine. But most of the time, like when you're not fast traveling, you're collecting other shit to like, you know, build new weapons or make some more food or you even find more missions along the way. Right. So. Right. Well, that does bring up. I mean, fast travel certainly is a good thing. I think just in terms, like when you spawn in a shrine that's on top of a cliff and you fall off the cliff, it's nice to just be able to fast travel back to the top of that cliff to get to the shrine. Yep. But and in terms of the way they design their game, you first to find these shrines because you can't use them for fast travel until you get to them. So I guess in that regard, the motorcycle would that. Yeah. A few years back, um, I read an interview between Gamma Sutra and uh, Ken Ralston, who worked on Oblivion, the Elder Scrolls game that came before Skyrim. And he talked a little bit about fast travel, because there was an internal debate with them after having made Morrowind, which had no fast travel, but had ways in the game of speeding up your travel if you, you know, dedicated yourself. Um, but what they what he said was he got into an internal debate with Todd Howard. Where Todd was like, we need fast travel in our game. And Cam was like, no. It seems about exploration. You should force them to be in the world. And where, where what ended up coming out of that was 
Ken realizing that Todd was right and that players should be able to choose the way they want to play. Explore if you want to explore. Don't if you don't want to. So it kind of, to me, punts the, 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 the decision-making back to the player. And I think, unfortunately, a lot of people, especially like if you're in like a backlog clearing mentality or if you're used to playing MMOs that are very goal-driven, get into an inefficiency mode when they play games and undermine their enjoyment of it by playing it in a way that's more efficient but less fun. I don't know what you guys think of that. No, I would agree with that, too. I think it's it's a... It, it, I don't know. It, it's, it's a weird one, too, because it's like... There's times where I would, like, purposefully unlock certain things in Breath of the Wild, like, unlock some of the towers, just so that I could, like, come back to that area later and explore it. Just for oh, yeah. No I did that, too. Right. Totally. That's another, that's another, like, benefit, I guess, to it. So it's, like... It's... I think there's pros and cons to it, but... Ultimately, I'm glad that it's there. Right. And when you talk about the player having choice, I mean, when you look at all of the, some of the most highly regarded games recently, it's all about freedom of choice to do whatever the hell you want. Yeah, basically. Witcher 3, Breath of the Wild. Um, that's all I can think of off the top of my head. But Metal Gear Solid 5, they're all about choice. Yep. Approach anything how you want, whenever you want, with whatever you want. So, yeah. But... Uh, playing Breath of the Wild, I was talking about this the other day. I'm scared to play other open world games now because Breath of the Wild just did it so well that I don't know how I can not be disappointed. No, it's true. There's like it, it did set a level of expectation for how they need to be, essentially. Um, it's and it's the climbing walls thing. The glider yeah. and climbing walls just created a different world because there's no longer a limitation. I don't have to find the road to get where i want i just climb the fucking wall yep i just jump and hit the glider and i fly to where i need to be and that's part of why i'm afraid to play the witcher 3 is not only past experiences with the witcher 2 feeling uh bad but i know that i'm not going to be climbing walls and flying around in that game so that's not at all what the witch is about like honestly um the, you can apply the word open world to the word open world to both games but it doesn't apply at all um in witcher you're like you can you can experience the stories in the order you choose that's the freedom you have but in terms of how to play the game um you go around and just swing a sword like there's not a lot of other ways to solve problems um and reason i think to play the witcher in 2019 which by the way more people than when it came out in 2015 are currently doing because of how much netflix killed it with the season one of the, the new series. Uh, but the reason to play it now is for the story. And I actually, on the playthrough that I started a few weeks ago, I knocked the difficulty down all the way back down to zero, just so I didn't have oh, to sure. deal with any of the mechanics. Um, it's, it's literally called story only difficulty. So the draw of the game is the storytelling, not the open world. I would say so. I think back in 2015, the open world that it had was more relevant. Um, but especially after having played Breath, I would say... Don't stake any of your enjoyment on the open world mechanics for Witcher. 2015? That's when Witcher 3 came out? Hell yeah. I thought it came out at the exact same time as Breath of the Wild. Yeah, I thought it was later as well. Uh, Breath was 2017, Weird. I believe. Yeah, yeah, it was 2017. It is 2020 after all. No, it says uh, Witcher was 2015. Yeah, that's what I said. That's nuts. That oh, I thought you said 2013, sorry. Yeah. Cool. We're old, though. Mm. True. <laughs> 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 all right, so... um. Oh, is it me again? That would be me yeah. again. Back to you. <laughs> yeah. All right. So this one, I cheated here. 
Um, Unbelievable. Actually, I'll save this for last. My next top three is Limbo. Did you guys play that? No. Nope. Oh, well, it's really cheap now, and it's not a long game at all. Buy it. Um, Tell us about it. It's, Pitch us. All right. <clears throat> Let me read my notes. <laughs> oh, you took nerd. notes? What a fucking loser. I wrote whole paragraphs because I didn't want to blank as I sat here. It's it's just a really engaging game in terms of simplicity. So the, you have four buttons, left, down, up, right. That's it. <clears throat> and everything visually, it's only black and white. And most things don't even have detail. They're just black silhouette. And the soundtrack isn't even really music. It's just, I don't know the term to describe what they are. You can probably fill me in on this, Matt. But it's just kind of like atmospheric droning ambience, I guess would be what it's called. It's not, it's not a score conventionally, but it hmm. just fits in this world they've made perfectly. And it's only, I think it's only a three or four hour game, but their level design is, it's like Half-Life. It's a nonstop flow. And so finding a stopping point is really hard. So I bought that game and then I played the whole thing through in one sitting. And then well, I think they, I'm, they have it on iOS. I'm looking at like the systems that it's on. It's on. They have it on like pretty much anything, including mobile devices. It's ten years old now, so they've hmm. got it all over the place. Get it on your phone. It, it's it would work on a phone just fine. It's a beautiful game though. So the bigger your screen, the better it's going to be. So this is arguable though because it's 2010. Does it technically count as the decade? I thought it was 2010 through 2019. I think he's good. Yeah, I guess it's safe. Even still, I didn't play it till probably a couple of years. It was originally originally released on Xbox only. And then you have yeah. to wait for it to come to Steam. So I probably didn't play it till 2011 or so. But it's just, and there's not even really a story to it. It's just a cool world. You play as this little boy. You don't even know when the game starts. That's another cool part. I'm, I'm ruining for you in case you play. But when, they, when you first start the game, your character is just sitting there. And you're like waiting for the menu screen to come up or something. Hmm. But, so you start hitting buttons. And when you hit a button, your character's eyes open up. And the game begins. <clears throat> so you told so, us what the but, game isn't. What is it? Is it a platformer? It looks like it is. It's it's like okay. a puzzle platformer, yeah. yeah. It's not platformer like Mario. It's platformer like here in a situation where you have to figure out how to move forward. It's like an atmospheric <clears throat> kind of platformer that kind of tells a story or, or tells you something about a situation or, or I'm sorry, character it's not a or a feeling. At all. It's a puzzle game. It's okay. pretty much straight puzzle. There's no there's no platforming. It's just, it's, since it's two-dimensional, it seems like it's a platformer. I got gotcha. confused in my brain. But yeah, it's just really damn well done. And they made a um, spiritual successor called Inside, which is arguably even better. <clears throat> it's, it's a really damn good game. But when I think back, Limbo just sticks with me more. So I decided hmm. to roll with it instead, which I so I also recommend the hell out of Inside. It's it's the exact same type of game, but with a different face. Yeah, they're, it's only ten bucks. Yeah. Get them. They're that looks really pretty cool. Good, and they're really short experiences, so you don't have to invest a whole bunch of time into it. Yeah, this I'm looking at cool. some gifts of it now. The world looks these, really cool. These are the kind of games I can get my wife to sit on the couch and play with me. Yeah, we just recently started playing. Um, Greece for the Switch. I don't know if you guys have seen mm. it. Um, I think it won an award at the Video Game Awards, like Best Game for Impact, which I still don't know if I understand what that means. 
It's but... the social justice category. Playing <laughs> the game, it doesn't seem like it really has a call to action. But um, yeah, it's just a very chill, atmospheric, beautiful, um, lean, laid back uh, puzzle with light platforming experience. Huh. Grease? Is that what you call it? Sir? Yeah, it's spelled G R I S. And actually, I'm trying to find the game that's going to get my wife into gaming, and I don't know what it's going to be. Yeah, she actually bugs me for the Switch to go play it like once a week. Well, and I wouldn't, I mean, if I was your wife, I would not take recommendations because you're going to be like fucking hand simulator or some shit. <laughs> the, point, the idea of hand simulator was that it was stupid. That was the point. And you know what? We had some, for a dollar, it was some good laughs. What was that other game that you played, recommended? Man Hits Wall or something like that? <laughs> Like, <laughs> that sounds like a Taylor recommendation. <laughs> there was another one too. Man hits wall. <laughs> I'm like thinking of another one. <laughs> wall steering simulator. All right, all right. Yeah, and let's, simulator. Let's think of some other game titles. Let let let's make up some game titles, like fictional <laughs> ones that Taylor would recommend. Um, how about this? Uh, Ouch, my penis. <laughs> I think you would totally recommend that game, no matter what it is. Taco Simulator Four. Yes. <laughs> there was one that I actually wanted to try called uh, Three Sixty No Scope, and the way the whole game works is you before you can fire at anyone, you have to spin your mouse in a three sixty, and then you can't use your scope when you shoot people. <laughs> That's very well titled. Oh very my descriptive. god. <laughs> it seems like a really uh, really fun game it's i don't know hand simulator was a hit we had lots of laughs and that was the idea <laughs> like it was so stupid though the fucking trailer just killed me of the guys trying to put the bullets in the gun to play russian roulette that was brilliant i think i had more fun All watching right. people playing it on youtube than i did playing it myself <laughs> <laughs> whatever i'm a genius with my game selections until I selected Fear 3. Oh. Which is number two of my disappointments. Isn't that a very like well regarded game too? Fear 3, I don't think it was. Oh. Fear 1 was a hit. I thought it was okay. Uh plot wise, it it made no fucking sense. It's a it scary a first person about... shooter, right? Yeah. But so it's called Fear. And I think the fear stands for first encounter assault recon, something like that. So you play, you're a part of a team that deals with paranormal activity, but instead of your team being composed of, say, like a scientist, you play as point man, which is the guy who goes into places to attack things first. And then a sniper is another character. And then just some generic soldier is the third character. So there's not <clears throat> there's nothing on your team that actually deals with paranormal activity. But the big there's that little girl that appears everywhere, Alma. And then the enemy is a guy who controls soldiers with his mind, which in terms of story or in terms of gameplay doesn't mean anything. It's just AI soldiers. Um, but Fear One was okay. And then Fear Two came out, and I thought it was fucking awesome. They just they took what they had in Fear One and they ran with it and they cranked it up to eleven. It just it felt like a really solid game to play. The story, 
I mean, for for what it was in the first one, compared to what you get in the second one, the story is fucking great, especially the way it ends. I think it's one of the best endings in games I've ever seen. Um, and then you actually had enemies that were paranormal. And Fear 2 had one of the, the only places in a game that actually made me fearful. You go through an abandoned elementary school, and it just gets really damn creepy. Hmm. So after playing that, I had really high hopes for Fear 3. But... Fear 3 came out during the time of uh, co-op everywhere. Games have to be designed for co-op. And so the game is based on a co-op experience, and then it also introduces leveling up, and then it also introduces collecting all the hidden stuff in every level. And you, one the two characters you play as, I guess they were really reaching for who to use for co-op. The second guy is the guy that you killed in the first one, but now in his spooky ghost form. <clears throat> and it just everything was generic the enemies were generic the level design was generic the gameplay did not feel good it was just an all-around bad disappointing pile of shit hmm. and after going through fear 2 and what seeing what this franchise could have been turned into it was just really really let did you guys really, really let down uh, did you guys know wads at all do you know who he is yeah tfc yeah, yeah. i remember so I think he's the only other person I know who bought the game. So the two of us played the whole game in co-op, and we beat the entire thing in three hours. And this is a triple-A first-person shooter. Damn, that sucks. Yes. Yeah. So um, Riveting information. Fear bad. Good to know. I think I tried <laughs> the first game and was like, spooky shooter? Eh, don't need it. But um, yeah, I, I, I'm always interested to, to see the story of why some franchises or developers seem to decline. Have you poked it all into the story of what may have changed at the studio or with the direction of the game that might have have it tanked the I way think, it did? I think Fear 3 was a different studio. Oh, yeah. I think the first two were by Monolith, which I'm not clear on who Monolith is now because I feel like there's multiple Monoliths making video games out there. But then Fear 3 went to someone else. Sure. And they fucked it up real bad. In fact, did it? was there ever a Fear 4 that killed the franchise? Nope, there was not. Oh, wait. Slayed it. There is one now. Or at least or this is some lie on YouTube. Fear 4 official trailer, May 2019. So it yeah, it doesn't look like they actually... The last one was Fear Online. But I guess they're making a new one? It looks like there's a trailer for one. I haven't heard anything about it. Hmm. Well, maybe they can fix it. I do. I really recommend Fear 2. You don't need to play Fear 1 to play Fear 2. But Fear 2 is really, really, really good. Huh. Do you guys like playing co-op campaigns in games? Most of the time, no. I thought, like, Borderlands 2 is a good one, but... I do, but... I don't like it when the game is designed specifically around co-op. Meaning what? Give us so, an example. Uh, Sven Co-op, the Half-Life mod for playing Half-Life Co-op. Did we all play that? Yep. It's phenomenal, I thought. It's a great way to play Half-Life. But then you have uh, Resident Evil 5 and Resident Evil 6, which are designed entirely around being a co-op experience, and the game overall suffers from it. Did you just... play it with someone like in the same room or do you play it with like random strangers, strangers on the internet? Online only. <clears throat> so strangers I played on Resident the Evil 5 with both Repairman and Angel oh, separately. So people you knew. That's the distinction I was looking for. 
Okay. Yeah, and it was never with someone random. It was co-op's not fun with someone I don't know. I want to take yeah, it with someone totally. I don't know. But and uh, you know, Resident Evil Six is still fun. It's not bad. But what I mean is, in terms of what Resident Evil used to be, the co-op experience—it's returned to form now. But what it was before five and six, it just—it can't. It couldn't be that when they designed it in co-op like that. That's when it went full action franchise and lost anything resembling what it used to be. I imagine it's hard to design a multiplayer horror experience because horror is, I think, intrinsically like a sing- meant to be experienced singularly. Yeah. Maybe I'm wrong. I, I tend to avoid horror movies and games, so I'm a newbie to this whole genre. That yeah, I mean, and I... Made Fear 3 bad. Is it's, it's supposed to be horror, but... What's Fear 2 and Fear 1 horror? Yeah, they're like horror... Um, like other Resident Evil varietal. No, what's the term? Horror sci-fi, I guess you would call them. I mean, would Half Life like Fall under Horizon or something like that? <clears throat> would Half Life fall under horror? I don't think so. Half Life's an action game with sci-fi. Like, is there any yeah. horror in Half Life at all? Like, I don't think so. The horror is like we're designing this game to try to scare you and keep you in scary suspense. Um, yeah, I don't think there was any moment like God. that in Half Life. Like the the Shadow Temple in Ogarina of Time. That was horror, man. <laughs> <laughs> I found that to be legitimately scary. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> well, anything else on that game, uh, Taylor? Or um oh. Yeah, one of the the multiplayer was supposed to be one of the most fun aspects of it. So I think oh yeah, I remember now. Four of us had it. And so we tried the multiplayer out. And there was a couple modes. One's called Wall of Death, where you're playing a campaign and you just have to keep running forward because there's a literal wall of death following behind you the whole time. And this is years before PUBG or any of that stuff. And it's so not quite the same. But I don't think we were ever able to beat one of them because the wall of death always caught up to us. So they give you such a small window to possibly escape that it becomes extremely hard. And then the other one is um, kind of like attack and defend, I guess, where you have you you're trying to hold down a fort basically and hold off enemies. But then ran the little girl who scares you throughout the game is named <clears throat> named Alma. She would randomly appear in front of one player and then transport you out into the middle of nowhere during all these shitty events, and that kind of made it suck as well. Spooky. So there was there was nothing redeeming about the multiplayer either. Mm. All around cool. bad. That was a very disappointing sixty dollars. So, Sad. speaking of franchises that were once good and maybe now aren't, or developers, um, I'm next, right? Yeah, you're going to okay. say Dota 2. Dota 2, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> no, this is one of my top games of the decade, top favorites. I'm talking, ladies and gentlemen, Skyrim. And I'm imagining waking up in the cart as I say that. <laughs> da, na, 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 na. I will say I haven't played Skyrim, but the memes alone, yeah, shows that it has staying power. I haven't played either. I actually got it, and I got the VR version. It doesn't run, so I need to buy the regular one. <laughs> of course, it's plugging. That's the trademark. Yeah, Skyrim is um, is to me like it's the only single player game on any and on any part of my list because honestly. Like I was talking to you guys about TFC, whenever that was, um, I really like the intersection of communities and games. That's what 
drives me. Skyrim is the big exception. And a big part of why that can be for me is because such an important part of that experience uh, is modding. Um, I love the Skyrim mod scene. They're all, they're half of them are degenerate teenagers who don't know how to talk to people in the real world. Um, half of them are disgruntled people who want to be professionals, but they all come together on the internet to do weird and cool shit in this game. And only half of it works. So if you don't know what you're doing, you, you don't get to use it, which, which, which incentivizes you to like dig in and figure shit out. The other night, I went to bed with the most satisfying feeling, right? There's this mod that makes it so that any you can make it so any gear you have that's a favorite will appear on your character, your character model in the game in third person. Normally, all you see on your character model is whatever you have equipped. So you can look like, you know, you're bristling with weapons. You can have a great sword and a bow and a, and a dagger and whatever else you want on you. But I couldn't get this ad on the fucking work. And it drove me crazy. In order to get it working, I had to learn about the add-on, dig into the data structures, figure out what the fuck was going on, and then I figured out what was wrong, and I learned, and I figured out how to fix it without any help or direction. And that felt, I felt like a conquering hero. Um, it was three in the morning, so the next three, uh, so the next morning I wasn't too pleased with myself, but I got that <laughs> shit done. And uh, one of the things I've realized about the modding experience in Skyrim that I like is it provides a natural pacing to playing the game for me. Um, so just going back to Skyrim, the game now. I'm not sure if I can say anything about it that hasn't been said, but basically my take on it is it is for me the most enjoyable game world to exist in, bar none. Um, the visuals, the audio, um, everything else it is just uh, I have like moments in my head where I'm like, I'm, like imagining what it would be like to be camped out on the side of a fucking Skyrim mountain and how relaxing that would feel. Um, it Until just a giant steps on you. <laughs> Well, yeah, and then it's funny. <laughs> I'm as in real life, not not in the game. Yeah, yeah, real life giants are a drag, but it has, like I mentioned, more than any other game I've ever played, managed to put me in a place, paint a picture of being somewhere, despite all the jank, despite all the crazy shit mods can do. Um, nothing else matches it. Even Breath of the Wild, which I have to admit is, from a game perspective, a, it's a better game. Breath is better than Skyrim, I think, but to me, it's not as meaningful because um, I actually get to put my arms into Skyrim and change the machine, which um, is so fun for me. Uh, it's uh, a, a huge, it's the most amount of agency I've ever had in a game because of that fact. I see something in the game I don't like, I can learn how to change it, and then I can play it, and then I can share it with people who think I'm cool because I did that. It's fun. Yeah, modding's modding used to be a thing that was in every game wasn't it that's where that's where half-life that's where valve's success came from is releasing half-life into the world and then just letting all these different people do stuff yeah. to it that is what that's why they're where they are now i think certain, let that happen i think yeah, certain studios like valve and like bethesda early on were very modding friendly and they made their games yep. deliberately to be friendly towards people jumping in and making changes. I know that was a big deal for Valve to, when they came out to the point where they actually courted people who made Quake mods, aka the guys who made TFC, um, right. to come in and be involved early when they were getting their uh, their third-party SDK ready to go. Um, I mean, the downside to it, though, was that it also invited a huge hacking problem. 
because of the ease of uh, you know the open sourceness of the code in itself right. like made just cheats and stuff like that yeah because it was so like the code was just open to anyone and so you know you blocked one hack and then another one opened up so hacking man i never understood people who cheated in tfc did you guys ever cheat no no what's That's, the point yeah I, think I mean, you were, did cheat, Matt, but you didn't cheat by downloading hacks. You just <laughs> being another person. Yeah, that, I don't. I don't Identity think that fraud doesn't count. <laughs> you get banned for blowing your load, and all of a sudden <laughs> you have to come back as a different persona. <laughs> Orgasms are not a crime. Yeah, jerking off is not a crime, especially when you're 16. No, it's a necessity. <laughs> um, but speaking to just like being a part of the world and sitting on the mountain. That's, yeah, that's the thing I like. There's three games that I have just stopped what I'm doing and watched a fake sunset. And I feel like when you can make me do that in the game, you've done a lot of things right. Or which games? Uh, Grand Theft Auto V was the first one. And the remastered edition, which is a really, really gorgeous game. But when you're driving, there's so many... uh, words which ones do i pick <laughs> there's can see, so i can hear like, the tears streaming down your cheeks right it's very emotional if you're driving back to the city at night they i don't know how they did it i don't know where it changes but they just that city from a distance at night is fucking alive there's just you can see on the interstate that there's there's car lights going everywhere and everything and the sky above it is beautiful and gorgeous as the sun sets and it's just i had to stop whatever i was doing and i just sat there and i watched and then at another point i'm on top of a mountain this is still grand theft auto 5 and another sunset happens and this is great and i just sat there and i watched it happen for a bit and then i got back to whatever i was doing which is nothing women or something <laughs> maybe edit that out but and then <laughs> and then breath of the wild um I get to the top of one of those towers and it just happens to be when the sun's setting. And so I've just got this vast field with mountains in the background and the sun coming down. And I just sat there and watched it happen for five minutes or so. And um, even Dishonored 2, which does not have real-time lighting environments like Grand Theft Auto V and Breath of the Wild, it's just a skybox. But they're so beautifully made that even though I know this one wasn't going to ever set, I would just sit there and look at this sunset happening for a bit. It would, yeah. it would it would stop me in my tracks. Didn't the remastered version of GTA only add more trees though? No, they upped every single texture to 4K and they added first person mode. Oh, got it. No, I thought it had first person mode originally. Nope, that was a new addition. Huh. Grand Theft Auto 5 released originally in 2013 on PlayStation 3. Yep. And its visuals, I think, were just kind of run of the mill. But since PlayStation 4 released one year later and they were going to have their PC release, they remastered it over a two year period for that. And it's just, it's a really good looking game. Yeah. So when you guys look at like a piece of art that makes you feel something, and I'm just talking about video games or watch a movie that, that, that gets you, you know, like, uh, Spider-Man turning to dust in Avengers or something. Spoilers. Yeah. Sorry, guys. Do you guys think that those are moments of real meaning you've experienced or that the artistic medium is somehow manipulating you into feeling something that's not real? 
or something in between. It's probably like a recollection, I would say. It draws on your own experience. Yeah. In the terms, when it comes to a movie, I'm watching a story play out. So whatever emotional moment I'm feeling, the, the emotions are real, but what I care about is not. Yeah, I think I've heard you say, Taylor, that like with kids, that you having the experience of now having a kid has changed the way you feel about any media or art that has children in it. Yes. Um, The other day, Matt posted a link to the, um, I think it was the best photos of the decade, 100 top photos of the decade. And one of them is a little three-year-old kid who drowned and his dead body washed up on shore. And the picture is his body laying on the ground. And then this guy just collecting evidence from the scene, I guess. But my kid is three. And that picture, I just, I stopped whatever I was doing for 10 minutes after I saw that photo. It just, it floored me to think about what that kid, I mean, three-year-olds, they're so innocent. They don't know what's going on at all. And what had happened was it was a family, I forget what country, but they were trying to flee across. Syria. Syria. They were fleeing Syria? Yeah. Across whatever body of water they have to cross. To Greece, yeah. And um, the whole family drowned, but the three-year-old is what washed up on shore. And so I just, that what is that, what's going through the three-year-old's mind as he's flailing in water? I don't know. I see my kid. And sees his parents and his brothers and sisters doing the same. Yeah. He just he doesn't know what's going on. He death's not even a thing to him yet, but it's See, about now, to happen to him. And now you're making it seem like I just post pictures of dead children all the time. Well, no, it was the. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's got a fetish. I mean, you do. You're a little excessive about it, but not all the time. <laughs> but yeah, just uh, that. Yeah, that just that floored me for a bit. But then another example, uh, the movie Bird Box. Did either of you watch that on Netflix? I did. No. That was a big cultural thing for a few days in 2019. And what I seem to notice is if you have children, you love that movie. If you don't have children, it's whatever. And it's because you're seeing your little kids in the situation that these two kids are in. And you just think about your child there instead of these two actual kids. And so when you don't have your own child to place in that situation, it doesn't have the same impact. That to me seems like a real feeling, not something fake done by art. So this is the reason I brought this question up is got to do, it rolls up to the question of games being art or not. Um, I read a quote by uh, Roger Ebert. Is that his first name? Roger, the famous film yeah, critic. Roger Ebert, yep. um, about this the other day saying that and basically what he said is, I think games could be art, but they're not now. Um, and this quote is, I think it's a few years old, probably from probably in the last 10, probably in the last 10 years. He said this. He's dead now. So or, it, would, yeah. it would have to be quite a weird few years. No, ago. the other one died. Didn't Gene Siskel die? I think Roger Ebert's still alive. They're both dead, I think. Hold on, Jamie. Where's Jamie? <laughs> <laughs> no, you're right. He did. He did die. Roger Ebert, 70. Yeah, so he died. Yeah, he died in in, in this decade. But this, yeah. yeah, this statement is not that old. Um, thing that he said, and I think that um, you, you brought up thinking about the sunset, which is what set me off on this on this path, Taylor. And I think that the way that 
um, people who are accustomed to existing forms of art that have been accepted within Western society or global society see new forms of art as being illegitimate until essentially their generation is dead and they don't get a say anymore. And I think that by the time we're old assholes or older assholes. Um, yeah, some of you guys are already old. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think I think I'm the oldest in this in this trio by by a year or two, so uh, yay me. But by the time we're old assholes, I don't think there's going to be any question that games are art. I think it when and and to me, what makes it art? And I don't know if this is actually a real definition. This is just it seems right to me. But what makes something art is if it produ- if it gives you a feeling or a sense of a meaning that is resonates with you. Um, like if I watch some kind of shitty movie, like my, my wife just loves anything British and she will put herself through the most lovely British TV shows because they're British and they're historical and she just loves that. But to me, they're just not my cup of tea. But there's also some really great stuff like Downton Abbey. That is art. Yeah. Because um, I feel shit when I watch it. It's good storytelling. Um, and when I play Skyrim, I know that it's art too, because I don't think there's actually a difference between a real feeling and a fake feeling created from an aesthetic experience. And I just don't think that we have the words or the or the consciousness yet, um, the, the the general understanding of how games are art and what and the words to describe those experiences, because it's so confused with the agency we all bring. But I think that's got to be fundamental to it. What is it that those games, what those sunsets are doing? Because you can look at a picture of a beautiful sunset and not feel anything, right? It's like, oh, that's pretty right. cool. But you were in that world as you know that character or whatever. You, you said rolling around on the highway, looking down at the city. That's a, that paints a really cool picture in my mind. For me, in Skyrim, like coming out of a cave, like at 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 dusk, um, after having cleared it out of whatever hideous monsters were in there. Um, I actually like feel in my nose the sense of fresh air when I see mm-hmm. that that sky. It's not real, but does it matter? I don't know if there's actually a meaningful distinction there. I'm going to stop talking. What do you guys think? <clears throat> in terms, just because, you know, going to art school and watching how all this shit gets made, a lot of what determines art to me, and I'm very much in the camp of literally anything can be art, but usually it's process and by that i mean uh skyrim i imagine that when the credits roll it takes 10 minutes at least for all those names to go by that world exists because hundreds of people built a little tiny part of it with something that they specialized in your sky came from one guy the music that plays when you look at that sky came from another guy love jeremy soul by the way programming that changes that sky from purple to black or whatever the hell my color it is came from another person and just a video that's video games is art in the sense that you're watching the culmination of so much stuff come together is a big part of what makes it art to me even beyond just feelings it's it's just video games are like the inside of a watch it's so much shit that has to work together and it's all one little element working by itself. Yeah, I think it's literally the most complicated artistic medium, if you acknowledge it as art. 
it's harder to make than a movie. It's harder to make than, than TV or, um, you know, sculpture or traditional art. Yep. You have to yeah. not only make something that functions, but you have to make something that is going to engage the viewer enough to continue forward. Yeah. And I think, I mean, really, it, it's just about taking a concept out. and, oh, sorry. I'm a little farther. I was leaning back. Um, all art is, is basically just taking a concept and bringing it to other people. That's all that it is, is you have a concept and you just bring it to other people in some form of medium. That medium can be music, it can be visual, it can be uh, an interaction, it can be a combination of all those things. And that's basically it. So in that sense, yeah. In other words, memes are art. Yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, because it's... it's taking a joke and, you know, and, and, and using a, a foundation and, and bringing it to other people. Did either of you guys, to speak more to what, um, was it Roger Ebert? To speak yeah. more to what he yeah. was saying, did either of you guys play The Last of Us? No. No, but I've seen a lot of video about it. The Last of Us is, it's a phenomenal story. The Last of Us is a movie that is also a video game. And it's the closest one I've seen to that. And I think if he were alive and he saw that, he would agree that yeah. they made it with The Last of Us. Yeah. I don't know. I think one of the senses that I get is that there's there's a sense of waiting to see, waiting for when 3D technology catches up with what we know about games today. Um, and there's a sense, I think, from people who don't care to engage with games as they currently are, something on a two-dimensional screen where you're holding a, a keyboard and mouse or a controller, that somehow the the ambiguity of, of interaction will make it art because it won't feel like you're you have to learn a skill to be in it but um i don't know i think that's hogwash i just it's just something that i've heard i can't even cite a source unfortunately sounds like we're all agreed though games and memes are art so next time uh meme review of the decade (laughs) and and so is you know what else is art a banana duck yeah i'm not sure about that one that's where uh (laughs) That's where process comes into play for me. <laughs> okay. This dude who taped a fucking banana to a wall. Bananas are good. So, so is Skyrim. Uh, I think that, what about a shitty one for you? Yeah. Uh, next one I'll talk about is which kind of rips off my last shitty one. Uh, this is going to be Warframe. So oh. you love so, that game too for a while. Yeah, I, feel I, like I I've loved. Gone through your world's shittiest list with you. Yeah, we what this stuff bugs me. I've talked about it. Uh, I I I loved both of these games, Destiny and Warframe, until I realized, oh shit, the thing I'm trying to get here doesn't exist. And the reason I saved Warframe is because I have a little more to say about it. Um, all the same stuff I said about Destiny applies to Warframe. Uh, promises of depth, slick paint of uh, uh, coat of paint, beautiful game, fun to play at the start. Um, hints of complexity that that seem like they would be meaningful, but um, they end up not being that way essentially. And what the thing about Warframe that really undermines it is it's built on cooperative play, but the way that that cooperative play actually plays out doesn't actually encourage interaction whatsoever. Again, similar to Destiny. The thing I'll add about this game that I don't have the same level of understanding to talk about with Destiny. It's got to do with the way that the business of the game informs the way that the game is made and the way that players get to experience it. So 
Destiny, you buy a, a, a you buy the box and you get the game. There is some ongoing stuff and there are microtransactions, yada yada. So that's a little more confused. Warframe, though, is purely free to play. You can play the whole game for free. There is an in-game currency you get just for playing, and there's a premium currency you, you can get um, for, for buying in. And you can get almost everything in the game just with that regular currency, but there are some things that you, you, you can only get for the premium. Um, and essentially, the need to have everything in that game be acquirable both in-game and by straight cash money creates an experience... Uh, combining that with the the shallow nature of the interaction makes it so that nothing you can work towards in the game has any meaning whatsoever. Um, at least that's what my experience was. I tried out yeah. like 10 different clans of different sizes to try to find people who played the game, but for the most part, the only thing people do is share memes and their color combinations on their characters on, on the, the subreddit. That's it. And hmm. they, they, they try, they, they beg at the, the table of the developers who do these weekly streams for handouts. Um, so it's basically like the subreddit's essentially a streetwear. Essentially what you could out there. <laughs> oh, it's essentially a streetwear blog. So Yeah. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's what are you wearing? To... And then they're like, give me these rare ass Yeezys. Like, <laughs> and the game has a super complicated build system. And it's it's got and it's really hard to learn. Like there's a lot of shit you can do. It moves really fast, but it doesn't go anywhere. Nothing in the game is actually hard to do, or nothing actually requires you to engage with those systems. So it just becomes like fucking jacking off to to go yeah. into those things. It's like eh, it's little, a okay, jerk, basically. Yeah, like you're not so you're not you're not actually fucking. I played that game. So every video game boils down to some core mechanic they all have the same repetitive action over and over yeah a core gameplay is yeah the idea is you're not supposed to notice you're doing that but the first like two levels of warframe i played i noticed that i'm going through some level that is clearly generated because the level design suck dick and all i'm doing is shooting every enemy i see in the face twice and move on to the next area until you get to the end and that was it and I, it just it lost me immediately. Then after you get like fifty or hundred hours in, you go from doing that and shooting everyone in the face to doing that and skipping everything you absolutely don't have to kill, killing the one thing you need What's to cra- do and trying to finish as fast as possible with interacting as little as possible. It's so interesting too. This game, it, it's it's got such like a crazy staying power too, because it always is in the top ten of Steam most played games. Also, yes. So that's Which is something. Wild. What is it? This is a problem I have with a lot of things in life because <clears throat> there are so many things that clearly just appeal to mass crowds, but they never appeal to me. What is it about Call of Duty? What is it about Assassin's Creed? What is it about Warframe? What is it about Destiny? None of the, There's nothing about any of those games that seem interesting in the slightest to me. Assassin's Creed, you're just fucking smashing square over and over, and the I game you gotta... makes you look like an acrobat, right? You're just a fucking hipster, that's why. Because <laughs> you hate games. No, I think you got to back it up to the size of the hobby, dude. Like when we were getting into Team Fortress Classic, gaming, PC gaming especially, was not a big deal. Um, and now gaming is the biggest, the biggest industry, the biggest entertainment industry. Period. Uh, yeah, and back and- then, even like console gaming was just starting to get bigger too. What I'm talking in terms of even beyond video games, 
there's so many movies where I don't get why everyone likes it. Even the photography discord that you and I are in, mm -hmm. there's so much crap that everyone seems to love. And I'm just like, eh, uh, am I yeah. really out of touch? I don't know. I mean, but some of it in there signaling too. Like that a... goes on. Like people are more than ever, I think, self-aware of, of how their preferences reflect on them. That's the whole conceit of hipsters, right? Hipsters like things because they want to say something about themselves, not because they actually like it. Yeah. I don't know. Could be something like that. So I guess what you're saying is that you didn't like Warframe, but a lot of other people do. I can take a stab at why people like Warframe and why it's the most one of the most played games on Steam. What is Coll it? Collectors. It's pure it's pure fan service, the whole game. It's it's in pure indulgence. You're always getting stuff. The developers constantly handing out stuff. Their entire posture in terms of, of, of their community communication is we serve you guys. We're like, you know, like benevolent rulers of this kingdom. Um, but why doesn't that feel hollow is the thing I don't get. You're getting the stuff, but... Because most people are satisfied people don't their... it's hollow. Yeah, they, I mean, look at the top games on like iOS, right? Fucking Candy Crush, uh, World of... What's that game? Um, Clash of Clans. They're all just like really like easy dopamine injections. And the same is true of movies too. And Warframe just like really appeals to that. Yes. I mean, like, I'm looking at the top 10 man. list right now, so I, I wanted to double-check the thing because it's actually dropped to 13 now, so it's actually not on the Steam top 10 at the moment. But the top 10, and, and this is what's interesting, is that, like, a lot of these actually follow that model. CSGO, that one actually, I would argue, probably doesn't really because it's just, like, that's just the classic, like, you know, one, the first online game really to bring it home for a lot of people. Counter-Strike, Counter the original. <clears throat> Counter-Strike, I still think, I think its success came from not on the same level. I think I said this exact same thing in the last podcast Greg and I had, but the, the people at the top know what they're doing, but the people who don't know shit can go in there and they're going to get at least one or two kills because there's a lot of randomness to the way that game works. Yeah. And it's, no, it's I... it can be easier to get a kill than to not get one. Whereas when Team Fortress Classic, you go into a server with a bunch of experienced people and you're just going to get your ass handed to you and you're not going to figure it out for a long time. That's the way yeah. Planet Side is too, by the way. <clears throat> if you go up against yeah, the top 10, oh, someone sorry, knows what they're doing, you're fucked. Sorry, go ahead. No, it's fine. Um, yeah, the, the top 10 that you got, CSGO, Dota 2, PUBG, Grand Theft Auto 5, Tom Clancy's Rainbow Six, Destiny 2, Team Fortress 2, Rust, Witcher 3, Monster Hunter World. Those are the top 10 right now. Rainbow Six is a game I've always thought we should try as a group. I hate those games. It's tactical shooters. It looks isn't it like Counter Strike? No, it's it's quite a bit different. Like from what from what I, the, I haven't played this for like the ones that I played, they're very much more like mission based, I guess, in a way. All right. Well, I guess not then. But yeah. Yep. But yeah, Warframe dropped to number thirteen, so. It deserves it, that piece of shit. <laughs> it's it's a it's it like Destiny is a game that feels good and I wanna like, but I can't wow. because the, the the longer gameplay loops are sucky and shallow. Yeah. Greg, Left 4 Dead 2 is still in the in the top one hundred list of Steam games. It looks like it's in the twenties or thirties. That's because of that in game music. Da, 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 da. Oh wait, no, not that, that game. Sorry, I just keep having the Monster Hunter soundtrack stuck in my head all the time <laughs> that theme song <laughs> is like all you need yeah the, the in the gallows or the 
gathering hub. Sorry. God. Uh, on that note, uh, so I'm gonna save my uh, Hail Mary ones for the end. So because these are not really in any part. Um, but to, let's 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 keep it negative for uh, <laughs> just hate on. And speaking of things that are self-serving and bullshit game. So big disappointments. Pokemon Shield and Sword. Oh boy. Uh, and this is actually the last game that I played. So <laughs> it's uh well sorry. Black Mace is the current game, but like before that it was Shield and Sword. It it's just it's just a low quality franchise. Like I used to love Pokemon games. Like I was a huge fan of them. Like it was that sort of like collectionist turn-based RPG was awesome. Like and Pokemon Go I thought was just like crazy. I mean for for a while there when it first came out, everybody was playing it. Like you didn't go anywhere without somebody playing it. And so, you know, Switch comes out, and then there's, of course, a lot of hype, you know, the next Pokemon game. And so these games come out, and it is fucking terrible. Like, I I played a lot of Pokemon Go, because, like, it was actually really fun traveling uh, to India to, like, catch Pokemon in India that you could in the U.S. ever. Like, that shit was... I, I love that part of it. But they managed to, like... So, Taylor, what you were describing earlier about, like, the the what was the phrasing you used it's like the freedom of choice with a game i think it was that you said like you don't have any of that shit in this like yeah when you're battling but like you'll be walking down the road trying to catch pokemon this motherfucker hop comes up to you it's like hey buddy let's battle and i'm like i don't want to fuck and like you have to do it to continue the next thing and it's so annoying and just really repetitive and you get to a point with it where it's like you buff up one of your Pokemon and the attack that that Pokemon has that you've like worked around is just going to crush everything else. I didn't even finish the game. It was like, I felt like I was like, it was a chore to get through two of the gyms. And I think there's like nine gyms or something like that. And I was just like, fuck this shit. And it deleted. Yeah. The only Pokemon experience I have is some kid. Let me borrow all of his switch games. And he had, let's go. Eevee or Let's Go Pikachu, whichever one, which, yeah. from my understanding, is a remake of the first two games. No, it's basically Pokemon Go on. Is it? it but expanded, essentially. I thought it was a full-on Pokemon game. Well, whatever the hell it was, I couldn't even make it through the intro. I don't think I got to a fight. Just watch, reading all this fucking information up front. Yep. And it just seemed so kitty and cartoony and i just couldn't get into it oh my god and the dialogue like i know you thought monster was bad for dialogue it's the most shitty dialogue that doesn't it, it's not that it's like explaining how to do something it's like here let me just rant about like how inspired you are by this other trainer for fucking 700 lines and it gets to a point where i'm just mashing the a button to get through it <laughs> because i'm just like this is so fucking stupid like what a garbage like it's such a low quality franchise and then they got rid of the national pokedex and at that point it's just like what a garbage game totally also noticed that there's what are there 700 something pokemon now i think so where it's just like here's a tree call it treeber pokemon yeah. number 783 yeah i mean this is sort of like making up your games like the, the games that you would love. it's like what Pokemon can Oh, it's freaking Tower Soar. Or, <laughs> or Apple <laughs> Apple Potamus. Like, just pick one now and, and add the ending of another species to it. You got a Pokemon. But when it comes to the um, 
I guess the localization. You were talking about how cheesy the dialogue is and everything. Yeah. I feel like a lot of Japanese game companies just don't invest properly in localization. Because there's, seen, I know that there's a big, or at least from from what I see portrayed in media. I've never been to Japan, so maybe you can speak to this more than I can. But there's there seems to be a really big disconnect between what Japanese directors think Americans speak like and how Americans actually speak. I think I think it's more though. The problem is is that there's a lot of trans English, like, and that's that's one of the biggest things. It's like. Japanese has a bunch of terms that like I think don't directly translate and so they sort of simplify things in a way um well, I'm, not, I'm not talking about just just written word so after this look up the um Nintendo Switch reveal for uh whatever their workout game is We Fit not We Fit the one that just <laughs> came out on Switch it's circles something I forget mm. But it's like three minutes of these two American people sitting in front of a camera and they're like robots and they're not supposed to be like robots. It's just how they're coming off because it's how they've been directed. Same thing if you look up and it may not just be Japanese, it may just be Asian culture in general. If you look up some um, like there's some old spot for the Samsung Evo drives where they have Americans acting for some reason and it's just it's it's so robotic and weird but uh part of what i loved about resident evil 7 devil may cry 5 and resident evil 2 which are all capcom games that came out in the past few years is their acting and dialogue and stories don't feel like they have this terrible localization problem. It feels mm. like they were almost originally written for the American audience. And I don't know how that plays over in Japan. It must be well because Capcom's killing it now. But it's it's really refreshing to see characters in Japanese-made games that act like what I know as a real human being. Yeah. But didn't you like Bayonetta a lot? That's Japanese. It is, but it also knows that it's stupid as shit. And that's part of its charm. Yeah. Astral Chain. I don't know. It, I, I don't think that the dialogue the bad part of Pokemon. It, it was more the combination of the really to have a good game. You have to have a good story. You have to have good gameplay. And you have to have, like, it has to, like, be look good, right? Or, like, it, it visually appealing. But the good story and the good gameplay are, like, really important parts, right? And I think that, like, Pokemon had none of those. <laughs> like flat out like <laughs> shitty story it was the dumbest shit the gameplay is boring and repetitive and like it actually doesn't really look that great like it's you know and like even if you have two of those it's still probably going to be a good game the sense that right. i'm getting from everything i've heard about this game and i haven't played it and i'm not a pokemon fan either is that whoever is in charge of this franchise is seems to be pretty fucking lazy about yeah, they're just in the cash <laughs> direction like like look at look at like the Mario franchise and the, uh, the Zelda franchise versus the Pokemon franchise. Like every Mario game, I mean, has there been a bad Mario game? There has been bad Zelda games actually. That's yeah. CDI ones. Yeah, like the what's the Triforce Heroes? That game was trash. A lot of people didn't like Skyward Sword, I think, because it was super. Yeah, Skyward linear. Sword, very bad combat. game too. I can't play Skyward Sword because of the fucking combat scheme or control yeah. scheme. And like, but there, so there, there are bad games of every. But I, I feel like Pokemon has just like progressively worse over time. 
I, from what I understood, everyone just wanted like you could literally just take the map from Breath of the Wild and then just change all the stuff in it to be Pokemon, and then everyone would be happy. And they didn't give them that at all. Pokemon that would be of sick. The wild. <laughs> yeah. Catched <clears throat> a wild Pokemon, breathe a sore. Brathosaur. <laughs> Brathosaur, sorry. <laughs> My joke be... just fell flat on its. <clears throat> I don't know how the. It switches an SD card for games, basically, right? Just their own proprietary version of it. That's a normal SD card. Only, like me. Oh, you mean the cartridges? I'm downloading only. Yeah, the cartridges, yeah. Well, so, I mean, that's, from my understanding, the, the, the biggest file size or data container that a Nintendo console has ever had, right? Yeah, they just, yes. and they just came out with a new version where it's going to... And that's when they decide to cap the number of Pokemon instead of have them all. Yeah. Terrible move. <clears throat> Maybe they realized that adding an Applepotamus wasn't going to add any more meaning to the game. <laughs> I know. It's, it's just... a hippotamus. Hippotamus. Hippo that also fucked an apple. Yeah. Crunch. Anyways, that game sucks ass. Um, so let's <laughs> talk about a good one. Such a cliche as well. Um, but God of War. I know you hated this game when you started it, but I can't wait till this comes to PC. Like it need, I want to play this game. I don't think it will because it's a Sony Sony producer. I bet you and will. Like five ten years down the road. PC. Oh, well, it's fucking amazing. Like it, it's one of those games where the story is. So when I was talking about it earlier, it's like you needed to you need things like it needs to look good. It needs to have a good story. It needs to have amazing gameplay, and it ha it actually like ticks all three of those. Like the story, like even Allison, my wife was like, she really enjoyed watching me play that game because she could follow along at any moment. And it, it was just, it wasn't like the old God of War games, which were really like sort of, you know, the type of guys who wore Jinkos to school and listened to like Evanescence. Like it, that, it wasn't that kind <laughs> of game. Like it was, it, it just, A, it, it really pushed the PS4 to its limits visually. The story was like compelling to the point where it's like, even as you know, I am not familiar with North, more sorry, Norse mythology. Um, but for someone that is, it's still a really compelling story, and it's actually like kind of hard. Like it, it, there's elements of it that you really have to keep redoing. And this sort of like weapon tree is actually super interesting and actually progresses really well alongside the game. The side quests are always super fun. The dialogue is awesome because like. So you know how like uh, GTA Five, one of the most annoying things is like when you're doing a mission, you had that dialogue in the car. And uh, it, it was just like the stupidest shit, like whenever they're talking. So God of War had like a similar version of that where you have this, there's this character that you have to like behead him and you end up carrying his head around and he's telling you all these like lore stories about like, you know, the past and this, the little boy's family and stuff like that. And you, he tells the stories, the lore on the boat rides, because there's a lot of like riding around in a boat to get to different destinations. And it, it like, it kept like adding to the story um, as it sort of outlined that lore in transit to the point where like the transit didn't really feel bad because you were like learning more. And if you, it, they kind of like seamlessly translated the, the um, or sorry, seamlessly transitioned the moments where like, if you got to a place faster, he'd like pause the story and be like, Oh, we're going to finish that story. Pick That's up cool. again when you got back in the boat. It, it was it, the whole game is just like perfect from start to finish. You know, that, what you just described about having the, the 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 lore drops during travel time, and I mentioned there's probably some 
creation of that travel time to make room for that too. Probably it's it's a two way street, but yeah, that seems like it hits a note that I've always wanted to get out of Skyrim, where yeah, I just I, I like reading the books in Skyrim. Okay, I'm a fucking nerd, but there's not really a good place in the gameplay loop to sit down and actually read one. And number of times I've wanted to like hop in a carriage from like White Run to Rorkstead or whatever the fuck, and just pop open a book on the on the trip, like. It sounds amazing to me. And what you what you had there is like an audiobook version of that. Yep, exactly. And it's his <clears> head <throat> that you beheaded and you're carrying around. He's telling Very you a story. <laughs> so I, my, oh, and sorry, go, go ahead. ahead. No. So, so one, one of the one of the yeah, other things that I think is really interesting about this is like you know how a lot of games when when they are there's this like delineation that takes place when you go to a cutscene versus the gameplay, right? And um, it tends to, like, take you out of it. It's like, okay, guys, sit down. It's story time now. And, like, you know, it cuts it into the cutscene. And that's that. And then yeah, you, you back lean back gameplay. in your chair and shit. Exactly, exactly. And the, the interesting thing about God of War is that there's... So there's no cutting in it. It's like the whole game is one shot and, like, one camera shot. And so you enter a room and then the camera starts to, like, zoom in on your and it brings it into the cutscene, sort of. And so you have to like pay attention because you don't know when that cutscene is going to end, and then your gameplay starts, and you're in the middle of like a fucking battle or something like that. Like it's pretty, and and even sometimes they'll surprise you in the cutscenes. Where like uh, Spider-Man did this as well, and I, I think a lot of the Sony games are doing this now, where it'll like be in the middle of it, and you have to like do some crazy button combination to like make sure your son doesn't get killed or something like that. So God of War has been doing that since. That's that's their thing. Yeah, kind of started that I think. But so I, I played that a little bit too, and I like the Norse Norse mythology because you know you can't do another Greek thing or whatever the hell it was before you, they did it to death. Yeah, it looked beautiful. I'm sure the soundtrack is great. I and the first boss fight. Yeah, that first boss fight is starts with a bang. Yeah, I really loved that. But beyond that. I don't know. I just wasn't feeling it, and I think it was mostly down to gameplay. And I have to wonder if I could play that game with a keyboard and a mouse, how much of a better time would I have? Because it's basically a third-person shooter now, and playing that with a controller just isn't nearly as fun to me as with a keyboard and a mouse. See, I, I felt like it was better in control. It, it is. It has a lot more of the hack and slash element to it. So, but that's me, as someone who prefers. Keyboard. Let me tell you that your opinion is wrong and stupid. <laughs> I am not entitled to it. No. No, I I'll give it a chance one day. I just I don't own a PlayStation 4. I was borrowing someone's whole system, so I knew I wasn't going to be able to get through the whole game anyways. So at some point I just realized I was I was not having any fun. I was forcing myself to play this game, so I just dropped this console back off at his house. My sole interaction with this game is seeing the uh, the reveal on YouTube the um, when they announced it originally with the full orchestra and shit. You guys seen that? I, think I saw that. I don't think I saw it. They had a live orchestra doing all the music, and as someone managed, sitting in a booth doing all the gameplay for the for, for the reveal of the game. To keep it hidden, I think, until that moment. I don't think anyone knew a God of War was coming until they revealed it on stage. If you guys haven't seen that they, YouTube video, you owe it to yourself. It is the, fucking cool. And the way they revealed it, right, is that you saw gameplay and stuff, but you didn't know what the game was. And then Kratos walks on screen yeah. and everyone lost their shit, right? 
I'm trying to remember it. I think that's what happened. Yeah, there's a boy playing outside. He runs into a little hut, and there's dialogue with someone off screen with a deep voice. And he's like, it's your mother's knife. Take it. He's like, oh, why? We're going hunting. Feed us. And then he walks out (laughs) of the shadow. And it's like, everyone's dick gets hard immediately. (laughs) It's You know what the budget for that game was? Large. $44 million. That's super moderate. (laughs) Yeah, that's not very big for a game like that. And for how grand the production value of that game? Ridiculous. So yeah, I I don't know how they... They must have like hired like Malaysian slaves. <laughs> I don't know, but it turned the uh, the lead on that game, dude named I think Corey Barlog, into like a gaming superstar. Yeah, He's the acting in it all is over the really place. good. It's really really good. It's yeah. a, it, you know there's there's certain games I feel like sad when I finish them because I'm like oh my, God. and that was one of them. Like I'm I was sad that I was done with it. I should have added a 999 Korok collection to keep you playing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Until you fucking hate it. I remember actually feeling a little sad that I completed or beat Ganon, that it was over. But then I remember yeah. there's so much shit to do, so it'll never be over. I'll be playing this game till I'm seventy. After you beat Ganon in Breath, is that does it does it roll credits or do you or can you go back out into the world? You can't. You can go back out in the world. It's it, saved it's... before you go into Ganon, so it, you always start before the Ganon fight. There's yeah. no okay. dead Ganon thing. State yep. of the world. So that is the end of the game, but if you want to keep playing, you can just go back to a point next... where you haven't done it. Load a save, basically. It's, no, just the next time you load up your game, it puts you wherever you last save, which might be right outside of Ganon's place. The game doesn't have a state where Ganon is dead. Gotcha. Right. Okay. So is it on to me again? I think Back Matt's got to something he likes, set. doesn't he? All right. No, that was my like. Oh. Got a war. Right. right on. Goes in track. Um, I'm going to go with my last letdown, just because I want to end on a positive note. I thought you had done on a negative note, you negative note. <laughs> Don't be mean to me. So my third letdown is Crisis 2. And again, it's because is, Crisis... Is it because it didn't run on your computer? Crisis, crisis 1 <laughs> is what had that problem. Crisis 2 was highly optimized, which is actually part of what I think made Crisis 2 bad. So Crisis 1 was amazing, I thought. I remember I finally got a video card that had a gig of VRAM in it, and then I just and Crisis was on sale for like 10 bucks, so I grabbed it, and I could play it at almost full settings, and it was really, really fun because you have freedom. It's another game where there's a lot of freedom. It's big open worlds, and then you have this power suit that just lets you approach things in different ways. You can go stealth, you can go super fast, or you can have super strength. And I think there's a fourth thing. I can't remember what it was. But so basically, you use your super speed to quickly traverse this world, and then you start to see all these soldiers come around, so you go into stealth mode, and then you can bust into power mode, and you can pick them up and throw them if you want. There's just lots of variety to it. And it was, a, of course, a gorgeous game because it was the benchmark for a while of a video game. Um, so I was excited. And it, it also made some nice, interesting lore that it ends on. You, you discover a new enemy at the end and a whole bunch of other shit that they set up for a sequel. And then the sequel comes out. And um, what is the term for this? Where basically, I guess, a boardroom of people said, this didn't make enough money. Change all the things to make it more profitable. And so then we get Crisis 2. And this was the era where 
consoles started becoming the platform of choice for the general public. So any game on PC kind of was an afterthought. So it was always optimized for console first. So you has, have less inputs because you're limited to a controller, which means that they dumbed down the suit. You didn't have so much control over that. The maps all got smaller because you were in New York City instead. So it was much more about verticality, but it's it wasn't executed well from what I can remember. And then the enemies, <clears throat> they kept the same name, I think, but they changed everything about them. So at the end of Crisis 1, everything freezes. And you learn that it's like this: these aliens who have been living underground on Earth for thousands, tens of thousands of years. Record scratch. And they, and they need a really cold environment so everything freezes and your suit is what keeps you alive but in this one the, the freezing stuff doesn't even happen none of that matters at all it doesn't exist it's just a bunch of aliens who've who are taking back the planet hmm. that's, that's about it but I, it just wasn't great it What's wasn't a bad it? game well it's the thing it wasn't a bad game it just wasn't it let me down it wasn't what i was hoping for have you guys played their new fun. game, Hunt? No, but no, I heard you... it's pretty cool. There's some guys in our in our Discord that play it, right? Yeah, uh, a friend of mine that I invited. It's it's a good. Game. It's Dude, also it's similar. Crazy. It's similar to that Crisis, where it kind of runs like garbage unless you have a really great machine, and even then, it still runs like garbage. <laughs> That's the way of Crytek. <laughs> yep. But I also I think they're the ones who started off the Far Cry series. And I think that the whole reason they said it in New York was because they hadn't done a game yet that wasn't in a jungle. And so this was their statement that they can do more than just jungles. Man, their games all have cry in the name pretty much. Interesting. I never noticed that except yep. for hunt. It's a good trend to stop. They also even have a game called rise son of Rome and it's spelled R Y as cry. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Got to keep the brand going. But, you know, I'm trying to, besides just my disappointment that it wasn't like Crisis 1, I can't think of anything that makes it an overall terrible game. It just wasn't what I wanted. Sad. Tell us something happy now. All right. You'll, you'll understand this one because I tell you guys to play this shit all the time. And this is where I'm cheating. I'm, I can't pick just one game. I have to pick the entire Dishonored series. That shit is amazing. It has the best level design I've ever seen in a game. It has this fantastic steampunk atmosphere. It has amazing design aesthetic. The soundtrack, fucking awesome. And again, it's freedom of choice. You can choose to go through the game and not harm anyone at all, or you can be a murderous monster who destroys everything. Hmm. And your choices in that regard actually affect the world. Um, any, the, it works on kind of like a mission-based area. It's not open world. You go into levels, but each level is open world in itself, basically. So you're thrown into this giant sculpted level, and you have a target, and you can choose how to get rid of that target, and you can choose your route of attack, and stuff like that. And um, the lore of the world is just interesting. It's all powered, everything's powered by whale oil. And there's a god called the Outsider who grants certain people special powers, and you're That's one of those. That's bonkers people. sounding already. 
it's you and there's stuff to read all over the place to build the world and it's one of these areas one of the games where just observing the environment you're in tells the story of what kind of world you're in and i'm a big fan of stealth games so anything game where i get to sneak around is fun to me and this is one of those and you actually there's an achievement where you can there's a way to beat this game without being spotted by anyone the entire time and it's the sneaky boy achievement is that what it's called no i just made that up that sounds right actually (laughs) but i can't pick between dishonored one dishonored two or dishonored death of the outsider because they're all just exquisite nice just Death of the Outsider has a heist level called the bank job where you have to break into a bank and it's just, it's the best level I've ever played in a game. It's really fucking good. So you're saying I should play it since you gifted it to me. You have Dishonored 2. I think I gifted Greg Dishonored 1. So then between the two of us, we can come up. Yes, neither of you have played the fucking game despite how many times I say it's amazing. I have so many fucking games in my backlog. (laughs) This one doesn't Why? deserve to be fuck. in the backlog. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you and I have spent more time talking about me not playing this and why than we than about the actual game, I think. I mean, from everything you describe about what you like in Skyrim, you're going to love Dishonored. Yeah. Yeah, it looks like a good game. If, if I was going to play a single-player game, then probably this would be the one I'd play. Good. Make it happen. Anything's possible. Yeah, but that's... That's my top three. Uh, Black Mesa, Dishonored series, and Limbo. Nice. Good set. A lot of early ones, too. Applause. Oh, shit. It's me. I was watching Dishonored gameplay while you were talking. It's a really fun (laughs) game to watch. I know. I keep doing that, too. As as you guys are talking about your game. Is it that guy on YouTube who does, like, the crazy, elaborate killings? It's called... Dishonored Badass Stealth High Chaos Assassinate Lord Regent. Who's the what's the name of the guy who uploaded it? Stealth Gamer BR. Yeah, that's the guy. He just makes it's, it's me. Like, <laughs> 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 he goes through and he finds just these crazy ways to kill everyone in a level and uploads it. Yeah. Looks pretty cool. So uh okay, I'm next. Um we're in the last round. I'll start with my uh, my top favorite, and I'll end on my disappointment because um, I have more to say about the disappointment. Uh, top favorite is, um, and this is going to make you guys groan. I think it's uh, actually this isn't my number one. This is one of the three, but it's a WoW classic. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which is super bad because it's actually a remake of a game from the previous decade, but it That's was released in 2019. So Better I'm going to tra- fucking go with it. Taylor also picked one from two decades ago, so I guess that is... <laughs> <laughs> I did? What did I pick from two decades ago? Oh, Black Mesa. Black Mesa. Yeah. So anyway, I'm going to tell you why I picked WoW Classic. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it because I know you guys don't like have a lot to say or interest in it. But um, um, a baby in the background? Matt, yeah, especially you're saying there's a baby in my background. Sorry, is there... Whose baby is that? Whose do you think it is? Taking my headset oh, off. Oh, screaming. You're hearing his voice come through the vent. I guess I need to up my mic sensitivity a little bit. <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't have a baby. I, know, I thought cat. it was you for He's some sleeping. reason. Let's see if that covers him up. 
So WoW Classic, here's my pitch. WoW Classic is the best RPG social video game experience you can have, period. From level one to 60. We're talking about the game where people waited in line to do stuff. From level one to level 60, to dungeons, (laughs) to raids, to killing Ragnaros. So that's all the content that's in the game right when it releases. That experience, the best. And yes, it's a slow game, but the pacing is part of it. And it's a big cost. Like, if you're going to play this game, you have to, like, sign up for, like, four to six-hour play sessions, period. And that just cuts a lot of people out, which I totally respect, and that's why I stopped playing after two months, because it was costing me a lot to play, even though I was enjoying it. Um, but WoW is a game that has very slow pacing and a lot of interdependency built between players. You literally cannot get shit done on your own in this game. Um, each class that you play has different things it does well and things it does poorly. Um, as opposed to more modern design, where it tends to make sure that every single person playing can kind of hit all the notes the gameplay needs, this is totally designed in the opposite way. Um, you are not a complete uh, uh, combat picture when you're playing the game. So because of the interdependency and the slow pacing, it is a game that makes communities blow up. Like it creates communities when it's not even trying to do that. This is what is so strong about WoW Classic. And the reason I needed, I know I needed to play it again. Um, the reason I stopped playing it, by the way, was because I got to 60 with a friend. I played with Will. Um, we joined a guild and we helped that guild take down Ragnaros. And to me, that is like the end of the game. Roll credits. I could have gone back the next week and killed Ragnaros again, but I decided at that point that killing Ragnaros again and getting involved in the next raid wing and progressing all the way through everything else was something I didn't need to repeat. Like, I had had my quintessential <clears throat> WoW experience that's worth having. And I think the sh- you got that your nostalgia film. It wasn't even nostalgia, though. I mean, there was definitely nostalgia for the first week or two. But after you play a game for, like, 50 or 100 hours, man, it ain't nostalgia. So what's weird about it is, so what did they change? Like, I'm watching gameplay of it, and it looks exactly the WoW that I played 15 years ago. So Blizzard's watchword with this game was no changes. They tried to get as faithfully as they could to the original release. The big things that that did change um, is, of course... um, Modern MMOs use a server technology that makes it easy to group up with people, where you don't have to pick a server, and that server is where you live. And if the server is full, you have to wait in a line. They don't design games that way anymore, but they did back in the original WoW. So you would say, oh, I'm on the Archimon server, or oh, I'm on the Mugful server. And right. if, the, if some guy you met in the real world wasn't playing on that server, you guys couldn't play together. And if you wanted to go on their server, you had to make a new character and level up all over again. So... But there's an actual, uh, given the surge of interest that everyone knew WoW Classic was going to have when it came out, there's a reality of, okay, we have these small server communities that we want because it creates that small community feel for playing the game where you run into the same people over and over again. But because there's going to be 10 times more people playing at the start than there will be after the first month, um, we don't want to artificially, um, we don't want to create ghost town servers by restricting the size based on that first search. So what they did is they implemented something called layering technology, which basically means that um, there are three or four different like versions of the world going on at any given time. 
And when you go into South Shore, you might be in South Shore A or South Shore B. Um, and depending on how many people are playing, there will be more versions of those. So the impact that has is that if someone else is in South Shore, you might not see them. It also means that the economy gets a little weird because now there are multiple copper veins in that place where there's copper. Um, but the way that they planned the releases was such that over time, they would remove those layers and eventually go back to a single layer, which is the, the basic vanilla WoW state um, uh, after the initial surge of interest had fallen away. So when hmm. I stopped playing was right when they went down to a single layer. That was the only change, really. Yeah, because it looks exactly the same. Yeah. And the Did you have to rebuy to me, it? Uh, you, had to buy, you had to buy a subscription, so 15 bucks a month. Oh, right. Uh, but there's no box price, though. Um, it's the same subscription to play WoW retail. Um, so if you subscribe, you could play either game. But um, yeah, I was surprised by how well the game hung together from a gameplay perspective, given that there were, you know, hashtag no changes. Um, the biggest change that I actually felt, though, from playing in the, back in the day didn't have to do with the technology or the presentation, but it had to do with the communities. Um, oh, yeah, that, you mentioned this. Yeah, th there's two dimensions of it. One, one dimension that's easy to understand, I think, is that WoW is basically a solved game at this point. There's no mystery. And there are super robust add-ons for the game that will help take your agency away. And it's like, oh, go do this quest, oh, go do this quest, or, or you know, move at this time when this boss does this thing. It makes it so you don't have, you can kind of turn your brain off a little bit which those things didn't really exist back in the day. And the sophistication that, that exists now um, about how to interact with the game in the most efficient possible way didn't exist either. There's less discovery of like trying to figure out because everybody yeah. has already done it. And that's why I opted out when I did. Because I was like, I'm to the point now where I don't need to rediscover what's left. I've been there before. This, what I had was meaningful and fun. And it's okay to leave behind now. But I have to admit that the game hit every other expectation I had of it. It was fun to play with people. I made friends playing for the couple months that I did. I cared about the success of my guild. Um, I worked even offline when I wasn't playing to try to like promote my guild's success and help organize things and do all that kind of garbage. I helped coach other people who played Warrior who were dumb. Um, all kinds of stuff like that. And again, going back to that that fundamental drive I have of the interaction between people versus people and games, like it really hit that note for me. But um, it makes me sad though, because now that the game has moved on from that phase where we're getting to phase two and phase three of the WoW Classic, where they're adding in stuff like Battlegrounds and they're adding in the new raids, um, that launch vanilla experience is going to once again fade into the sunset. Um, I think that the next thing for the classic experience is they're going to roll out some of the old expansions that first came to the game back in, you know, 2006. What um, was it? Frozen something? First expansion was Rude Burning War? Crusade, which took it out world. And then it was Wrath of the Lich King. That's right. Yeah. See, just when I, whenever I saw someone play on a game like World of Warcraft, it looked so much like paying money to do work to me. I, just, I couldn't understand how to get into it. It is. Yeah, it's it's like it, it's one of those things where I I think I told you guys this story. I played I played it for like a month, like I think 2006, 2007, something like that. Um, and I just like I, I got really into it for that month. It was like 
sick. And it, it, yeah, I was just super into it at that point. And then when I, because I had nothing else to do. But then as soon as I got unsick, I went back to my normal life and I unsubscribed. <laughs> well, it's, I'm sure the three of us, TFC is the game we've invested the most amount of hours in. And it'll Not be hard to ever anymore. top that. Really? Well, I know it is for me. But when I look back at it, I don't feel like I wasted a bunch of my time. I feel like <clears throat> I formed bonds with people who I'll never meet. But part of that is probably responsible for who I am as a person. I know that it kept me in my room a lot as a teenager, but all my friends just were just a bunch of drug addicts. Not drug addicts, not that severe, but <clears throat> what Losers. I wanted to do socially is not the same as what they wanted to do socially. And I think right. it, I, I looked, TFC at a point was more fun to me than hanging out with my friends because they just got stoned and talked about bullshit and I it bored the shit out of me. Sounds good to me. <laughs> not my thing. But that was, as I'm older now, there's so many games where I look at investment of time versus reward and it really rarely feels like that investment of time is ever going to be worth it and world of warcraft is definitely one of those things where i look at it and there's not a shred of it that looks fun to me because even if you're in a fight the fight doesn't look terribly interactive like your your ability to dodge attacks isn't a thing it's just a bunch of number generation floating around in the air you ever played guild wars 2 taylor i have not Guild Wars 2 is, uh, it marketed itself as the anti-MMO, and it took away a, t a ton of the grinding, a ton of the, of the downtime, and added a really fast action-based uh, action combat system with skill shots and dodging. But it's still an MMO. Hmm. I was curious if you'd played it, because it sounds like it kind of resolves these kind of problems you have. But even then, I suspect it wouldn't really be your cup of tea. You see, I think that with WoW... Um, in order to enjoy it, you have to be compelled by some of the longer gameplay loops. So, you know, you mentioned before that um, the core gameplay loop of... Oh, God, I forgot what game you were even talking about, but um, it wasn't... It didn't capture you, and I can tell you... That, I can tell that with WoW, just watching videos, which are easy to find, um, that you probably think the, the core gameplay loop of WoW is boring. But if you envision the core gameplay loop as killing a monster, then... Yeah, it is dull. Um, but there are longer loops that involve looting and that involve promoting the success of your friends who are going to let you take on more difficult encounters and get more loot and that involve progressing and competing with other guilds on the server or get rolling together out in the world to prevent them from getting into dungeons, like just straight up ganking. Like, it's those bigger goals, if you can be compelled by them, that make this game what it is or what it's not to you. And that I think is what magnetizes me. And that's why I said all those years ago with TFC that it's not just a game or whatever the hell I said. Um, right. I mean, I get what you're saying because <clears throat> I didn't play TFC for six years because of the game Team Fortress Classic. I played it because of the people I was playing with. Same yeah. with, well, I mean, until Breath of the Wild, I think the other game I had the most amount of hours in recently was Borderlands 2. And that's because it was just me and a couple of real life friends who would hop on late at night and just play that game and talk about bullshit. Living the dream. Yeah. Because without that, when I started to play Borderlands 2 
or try to play it again with I think you and Griffith. All three of us were just like, "This is dumb. <laughs> Let's go play something else." Yeah, I'm sad I missed that date because uh, I think I could have gotten into Borderlands too. I never played it actually. It's good, but I think it's dated now. It didn't. It didn't age very well. Sure. Well, it probably. I'm guessing that just having a game that you're playing together isn't enough. It has to also capture each person individually as well as having the enjoyment of coming together like i one of the most fun some of the most fun that i've had in games in the last couple years was when we were first excited about quake champions do you guys remember that oh yeah that shit was fun at first yeah we were playing almost every single night and just just drinking and hanging out and um and fragging and part of what made that fun is because it felt like i think if to me at least it felt like quake could be something like it could gain relevance we could be part of a bigger thing um and of course it didn't go anywhere which is sad as hell because i think it's the developers the super fucked it up game. yeah there's that s- something still early that access. went really wrong i think they the really what ruined it honestly like the of it is actually really but like how they handle matchmaking the the gameplay types i think that they introduced that were stupid as hell like it just didn't make any sense and that's why i never really caught on because then everybody went back and played quake live the 50 million different types of games that they offer where the lightning gun always wins yeah i feel like mm-hmm. they needed to really court <laughs> those those old school quake dual guys um yeah they needed, to get, they needed to get them to convert over to quake champions so they would champion the game which would was also a- help drive mass appeal <clears throat> but they somehow didn't manage to pull it off and as soon as those guys all fuck back off to quake live then it's based on mass appeal which they'd rather play overwatch i think people would rather do Yep, exactly. Also a, a clear point where the budget was just pulled. Did you guys ever watch the um, Athena reveal video? Yes. My, what the fuck was that? <laughs> this is not what something from a AAA game is supposed to look like. I thought yeah. that too. It was very sad. Lats he... plays it all the time. Does yeah. He? He's one of the 400 people that play it. Yes. He is. Let's see how many, how many people are on there. I want to check this stat. I think I still it must be like Quake is one of my followed categories on Twitch. It's being it has 85 is. viewers right now, which is slightly more than Planet Side Two. <laughs> yeah, I was. Uh... Wait, where are the stats at? I just had it up. God damn it! Oh well, whatever. It's not that interesting. There's not that many people. Three but people yeah, are playing probably. Anyway, and they're all waiting in a queue. Yep. I guess the point they're I want to make waiting. about WoW Classic is that it is the most direct game that i think most directly achieves the the goal of building communities to take on fun goals more than any other game i played and if it didn't cost me eight hours of my life every day to get a meaningful experience out of it i'd probably still be playing yep so yeah um what a decade yeah man it's still me right yes i think you're on to your worst one yeah you're on to your worst one all right i'm gonna try to keep this brief because i have about a thousand things to say about this game and I thought about including it on both my top and my bottom because it had some of my highs and lows. But the, the last game I want to talk about is Guild Wars 2. Oh, uh, you Guild just Wars mentioned 2, that a second ago. Yeah. I think it is actually the game I've sunk the most hours into, I think. Um, I have at least 3,000 hours played on it since 2015. And um, the things that would compete with it would be World of Warcraft and TFC, probably. But Guild Wars 2 is an MMO. Like I mentioned, it's 
was marketed as the anti-MMO and has a lot of mechanics to make it easy. And the reason I got into it was because right when I was just, I actually got myself a PC um, after moving back to the States from living in Europe and um, using it for general productivity stuff and, uh, and work. But of course I threw a video card in there because, you know, I'm clever like that. And I managed to convince my wife to play this game with me on her laptop because it ran on a Mac and um, it worked okay for her. And she looked at the game and she said, oh my God, that looks amazing. And my wife hated video games. Like not only wasn't interested in them, but thought they were actually bad for you and you should avoid them. Somehow this game grabbed her though. The whole fantasy of being in a fantasy world she compared to Lord of the Rings. We jumped in and for the first year I played that game, 2015, uh, till the end of that year, um, she and I played almost every single day. We got our way up to max level. We got into dungeons. I would help her with her build because she didn't give a shit about the build. Um, she's wanted a weapon she understood how to use. Um, and um, we had we had a lot of fun playing it. And I don't know if I would have picked it myself because it's a little more casual. But um, the strength of Guild Wars... I know too much about this game. Okay, let's break it down into what's great about it and where it went wrong for me. As an MMO, it has a lot of the MMO pillars. Um, it has an open world you can explore. It has achievements you can work towards. It has gear that makes your character more powerful or makes you look cool, or both. And it has social gameplay. Um, it has dungeons. It has raids, something called... Uh, fractals which are like dungeons it has um competitive modes like an arena based pvp mode and um another mode that i didn't play much called world versus world where um it's kind of like factional gameplay where you and you know a hundred guys from your realm fight a hundred guys from two other realms and buy over territorial control of an area uh, realm versus realm i guess and the part of the game that I lashed into was the PvE community, raids, dungeons, that kind of stuff. Um, but the way Guild Wars is designed is uh, that there's a max power progression that you can arrive at, beyond which no gear can improve your actual damage numbers or healing numbers or whatever. This was decided early on in the game after it went live, um, and they've held true to this ever since. So essentially, if you like playing the game in a certain way, like really just love it, you get to a point where you can no longer progress in that way of playing the game. And the only way to progress is to find new ways to play it. So right away, I ran into an issue where I had a character I liked and I figured out all the ways I could play and that were relevant. And I mastered all of them. And I was the maximum possible effectiveness. And once I hit that point, it was really hard to give a shit about anything I was doing in the game. because so I no longer had a relevant progression-driven MacGuffin that would drive my experience forward, that would elevate my experience to another level. The one last thing that actually pulled me along in this game and gave me something to, to pursue that forced me to engage with other players and make a small community or get myself involved in one was Legendary Armor, something they brought into the game with the first expansion. Basically, Legendary Armor, what makes it legendary is both that it looks cool and that it has the ability to be stat morphing. So it can be the very best version of stats for any kind of combination you want. Um, essentially, without going into too much detail, 
Um, every piece of gear has one of like 25 different stack combinations on it. And once you get to the end of the game, it's not a question of whether there are more numbers on it, but the arrangement of those numbers. So Legendary Armor was the last set of armor you ever needed on a character because you can play any build you want with it. And uh, I strung that goal out for almost two years. And once I hit it, I no longer had any relevant way to move forward in the game. And because so much of the game was degenerating into a casual design ethos where all the development effort was being put in, not into raids, not into collaborative content, but into open world, single player story and exploration content, um, it just, the well dried up for me. Look, Guild Wars 2 is a beautiful game that has so much fun content to play, um, but it completely fails to challenge and incentivize people to play together. And over time, it's doubled down on that ethos in a way that makes me fucking bitter, I gotta admit. Mm. Um, and when you factor in some of the choices they've made with the reality of the game having gone free-to-play back in, um, gosh, I think it was 2017, um, it becomes pretty obvious that they only make the content that drives the best microtransaction sales. Hmm. So what they do is they drop single-player story content where you, you, you can play it with other people if you want, but you don't have to because it's too easy. And because it's so easy, it doesn't matter what build you play. So you have no incentive to engage with the game whatsoever. You just show up and press buttons, and then it progresses. So you press F to pay respects. You press F to pay respects, yeah. And the thing you can do to actually progress your character forward when you're doing this is to buy things on on the in-game store to make your character look blingy. Huh. So the, the part you're talking about where you just press a button and the game does the work for you, is that what you're saying? I mean, that's mean a little that? bit hyperbolic. Like, you are actually in combat. You're pressing buttons to make your character swing your sword or zoom around and things like that. But the bar that they set with that content is so low that it almost doesn't matter what actions you choose as long as you're not doing nothing. That's how I felt when I was playing Warframe. I felt like yeah. losing would be impossible. Yep, Warframe has a similar issue too. And I, I think the reason I put these two back to back in terms of descriptions, I think they both suffer from the same problem where the fact that they're in a free-to-play game that is driven by, by microtransactions creates a feedback loop where only the most broadly appealing content that can't be failed unless it, unless you don't have arms or legs, like if you can't interact with the game physically, gets made, and they're afraid to make anything that's might turn somebody off or might exclude them from the experience because it's harder than they want it to be. Because if they do that, then they're leaving money on the table. Yeah, that's a lot of... I mean, that's what I was talking about with Crisis 2, is Crisis 2 suffered because they made it more appealing to a general audience. And that that's why I've always stayed away from games like Call of Duty is because they just seem like generic garbage that's designed to have mass appeal, to appeal to everyone so you get the most money that you can. And of course, I mean, it's a business. You got to make money. I understand that. It's just a shame that the um, the art, I guess, suffers. But that. I think that that's why we've seen such I think. And they cater to these like specific, you know, niches that that where they can do innovative things, right? 
and something different. Are you talking about indie gamers? Or no, indie yeah, indie, indie game producers. Yeah, the big franchises have become kind of these corporate whores that try to appeal to sales. I think indie game developers, they just have an idea and then they just push it out there and it's cool. And either the takes or it sucks. Yeah, right. Well, that's, I mean, I guess we only, I only hear about, I don't ever dig deep into the industry at all, but I guess I only see the cream that rises to the top of indie games. But I feel like with the majority of indie games that I own, they are all unique. Yeah. Yeah, well, film is the same way, right? If you want to see something interesting and kind of out there, you have to find an indie film. Right. Otherwise, you just get Marvel Cinematic Universe schlock. That's why I'm not excited about any films lately, is I don't know what to go look for anymore. Yeah. Um, Yeah. It's really fascinating to see all these super successful businesses, like the Star Wars Cinematic Universe, or these games we've been complaining about, turn inward and completely lose their soul. Um, (laughs) Yeah. I actually work at a company that had this happen to it (laughs) where uh, it went from being a startup to being bought by a a big uh, multinational corporation that left it the fuck alone for a few years. But eventually they were like, Hey, we're going to like take control now. And um, it's all, you know, in a lot, many ways it's gone downhill from there. Yeah. This is why I decided uh, to play Disco Elysium. I think yeah, the game's supposed to be pretty good, isn't it? Yeah. It's supposed to be. It's winning Game of the Year from a lot of different places. And it's totally fresh looking. I've never seen anything that does what it does. Um, yep. I've heard some some critique about some of the, the the bigger picture stuff in the game, like what it adds up to, but it looks really worth experiencing. It's it's on it's number two on my want to play a list, I think, right now, after Outer Wilds. I'll pick it up. Bananas. That's another one I want to try. Outer Wilds. That seems like what No Man's Sky meant to be. Yeah, exactly. It's a good way of putting it. I think. But yeah. Um. I think one of the unfortunate realities about games like Destiny and Warframe and Guild Wars Two is that the game these games are such that they can only be created by ma- by large companies. Like yeah. they can't exist at a small indie scale. They just can't. Um, maybe one day that kind of server technology will be trivialized to the point where a smaller studio could make it. But um, I mean, I guess Warframe was an indie game, wasn't it? And that's a pretty huge game for being they, an indie game. They became an indie game, but they were a AAA developer who oh, ran it. out of contracts and was and decided to make their own game to try to keep the studio going. And is there an indie multiplayer game? Warframe. Well, well, ish. Destiny Two. Developer. Destiny Two, yeah. Bungie. Yeah. Well, that doesn't. Bungie is the lar- <laughs> is the largest indie developer in the world, right now. <laughs> well, they weren't indie when it was made. True. I, I don't know. Um, I just uh, Stardew Valley. Stardew Valley is hilarious. Yeah, it is now. It's made by one yeah, dude. It, <laughs> yeah, one guy, and he composed the music. That guy is either gonna be. I think he's going to be haunted by that game for the rest of his life. Think he'll ever stop yeah. working on it. I hope he does. What do you do when you're a team? As long as he doesn't turn into a notch. You know they're uh, porting Stardew Valley to the test. <laughs> <laughs> that's a great idea. <laughs> it's crazy. It's like because that's the whole thing is they put these games and these um, so that like when you're charging, you got something to do. <laughs> that's fantastic. Minecraft was an indie game yes. originally before Microsoft bought it. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah it got huge I before Microsoft fun. bought it. Yeah. I've never played Minecraft. 
You owe it, was it to fun yourself for to experience it. Yeah. Just get through your first night in Minecraft. Like that's the quintessential gameplay loop. After that, you'll know if you want to play more or not. I see. It's a game where it looks like it can suck so much of your life away that I don't even want to risk it. We should do that for a game night sometime. I'd do that. Yeah. I think you can put it down Minecraft pretty easy. Yeah. I did. There, there isn't any artificial shit to draw you along. There's no login bonuses. There's no, like, whatever. It's just like, here's a game. Do what you want. Okay, bye. Yeah. I want to be as successful as PewDiePie. <laughs> Making Minecraft. Don't we all? All right. Well, y- y'all are saving the best for last. All right. Hit us with it. Here we go. So I'm going to start with a good one first because the bad one is more controversial because it's <laughs> I'm sure I'll use all of them. So uh, the first one, of course, the best one is or it's not really the best of all of them, but I would say the, of the other three is actually an indie game and it's going to be Dead Cell. Um, I know it's a bold one, but it's you know, it's funny because I actually have more time on that game than I have on the wild, which is crazy to think about. Um, I think I have 200 hours on it or something like that. And it's it's an interesting game because it's like it, it the, this last decade has like really brought those sort of like Metroidvania platformers like kind of back to the forefront again over the last few, year, few years. And I think this is the best like creation of it because it's it's always changing and it's always getting better. And I think, I mean, you guys have both played it, so you know the concept of it. Basically like, the levels dynamically generate, and then when you die, you start over. So it's got that whole, like, uh, what's the name of it? Uh, roguelike. Procedural? Yeah, roguelike. Yeah, roguelike oh. is the style of, of gameplay. And a- as time goes on, you get progressively better and better. And it, it feels like a nice, but you, it, there's something so satisfying about it when you, like, get a little bit farther um, that you just, like, feel like you're accomplished. But then also there's times where you, like, make some stupid fucking mistake, and then you die. And I go to bed angry as a result of it. And it's like, <laughs> it's one of those things. It's so good. And I, I, I still will pick it up and play it for hours. Like I beat one BC, uh, like this two weeks ago or something like that. And I felt so accomplished when I, and now I have to try and do two BC. And it, it, they keep, the other thing interesting about it too is that they keep adding, the developers keep changing it and add and tweaking the balance of it. They keep adding uh expansions all the dlc is free which is really cool too um and so it's just it's just a really good game and it's a small studio they listen to the community a lot and the the fans are very very active in it and it's it's refreshing to play a game like is still really hard right like to actually be challenged and not be like you know spoon fed like for the same appeal that you know dark souls and, and Sekiro and um bloodborne and that the, all of those games have it's the same deal where it's like you actually feel like you did something when you beat it when you beat or 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 traverse so yeah yeah i'll agree dead cells was pretty damn fun i think i played it when did we all start playing it was it it's like summer last january year? february last year i played it originally in 2017 but um i think you guys got into it in 2018 almost been earlier this year because i've only played it on switch and i've only had a switch since christmas 2018 so yeah, that sounds right. I thought that game just released last year. It was out since 2017. Yeah. Jeez. End of 2017, I believe. I think you're full of shit. I gotta look this up now. It came out on Switch middle of... 20- yeah, August 7, 2018. Originals May 10, 2018. What the fuck? Yeah. And it's just it's just a good game. It 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 
feels really good. It's beautiful. It, uh, it you know, it, it, it the, the dynamically generated levels make it feel fresh. There's new monsters and new fucking shit, and you learn like new combinations. And it's one of those things where you can't figure it all out. As soon as you do, the developers are going to tweak it again in the next update and add new shit. So it's one of the it's the game where I actually uh, sometimes don't want to beat it. Because you discover a combination of stuff that just wrecks the shit out of everything. Yep. And you know that once you beat the boss, you don't have that anymore. Right. And that's what's great about it. That's the thing is there's like this rolling chance that you may get stuck with the fucking boots and like, <laughs> you're, you're bound out of it. And that's what's awesome. Yep. Yeah. That but, makes uh, me very angry many times. Well, and so what's funny is once you beat it, you so the, the, I don't do you know about the boss cells, right? Like so, basically, when you beat it, like you unlock one boss cell, and that increases the difficulty like exponentially. Yeah. Uh, and then one to two is like, so I haven't beaten two yet, but like it's it's quite a bit different, right? So it's um it just gets harder and harder. I think they released five recently. I've it's watched videos of people playing five BC, and I don't what the fuck. How yeah. are you supposed to possibly be able to do that? It's so hard where, like, some of the food that you be and give you the malaise, like, <laughs> it's it's just so ridiculous, like, the, they make something so incredibly hard. So, um, I think it was something like 0.1% of players or something like that have made it past 2 BC or something. Sounds right. <laughs> that makes me feel a lot better. Yeah. I actually so. never beat the... Uh... Never beat the base difficulty. Although I heard they nerfed it later. I'm pretty they sure did. that uh, at the time that they, we were all playing it, you were playing it on PC, Matt, and I was playing it on Switch, and we found out that the current PC patch was a nerfed version compared to Switch. Yeah, exactly. So I had this like pride thing. I remember I, I felt so good that I <laughs> the non-nerf version and beat that first. Because <laughs> like the PC version I played run through. Because I remember I was Taylor was like, Oh yeah, I've made it to the hand of the king like four times already after playing it for like I remember that. Like, we were you, like, what the you fuck? You fucking what? You liar. <laughs> <laughs> I felt really good until I learned that I was on easy mode, basically. Yeah, I was so bad about that. You so guys are just watching you guys talk about how fucking hard this game is, and I'm like, Jesus, you guys suck. Yeah. Maybe I'll, uh, after this, I'll BC to show you guys. Pretty, it's pretty fun. Now that I, think... I can stream on my Switch. Yeah, nice. Yeah, you and I can both do that now. Maybe we should use some Switch yeah. multiplayer together. Hell yeah, stream it. Yeah, man. We multi-box something, or uh, multi-stream it, whatever the fuck that's called. Or do a, streams. you know what would be a fun one, too, to stream is do a shared seed on Dead Cells. So one of the things that they added to it, too, you can actually get the same seed so that, like, if you input the seed that I have, you'll actually get the same generation, like level generation and drop. That's cool, yeah. To compete yeah, with I always people. wanted to do... So she gets an even playing field. Five yep. or six of us were playing. I always wanted to do a competition between all of us where we're all on the same build and we see who either beats it first or makes it the furthest. Or see how far someone could go with just the <laughs> That would be pretty good. With just the boots, yeah. Fucking boots. Boots <laughs> actually got better with the last patch, so they now knock it, fall down, and explode. I think I always used the uh, lightning. Except the yeah, boots for lightning fun. is really good. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's a great think, game. It's I think Dead Cells is an example of a of a game concept that's executed about I think as well as it possibly can be, or pretty close to it. Yeah. Um, 
as a, a two-dimensional roguelike with a, with a kind of fantasy sci-fi theming. Uh, I, 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 I'm not deep enough into it to really say, but is there anything you can think of, Matt, that you would say could be done to improve the game that they fail to do? No. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just... That's the thing about, like, all my topics, I can't... Can't criticize like, them. Yeah, and, and usually when people bitch about stuff about the game, like, they actually fix it. So um, one of the things that they introduced, I think, like, a couple patches ago was this thing called custom mode, where if you've unlocked certain weapons, you can actually, like, choose what your starting drops are going to be and, like, only get on during your So, like... Because what you used to have to do was like create a save file and only unlock the weapons you want for certain combinations. Um, and so people bitched about that, like wanting that type of feature. And so they added. So they, they tend to like do that where, where like when there's flaws, they fix them. That's very encouraging to see with the game. Yeah. I think that um, good... besides getting my ass handed to me all the time and throwing stuff across the room, I don't have any complaints about Dead Cells at all. Yeah. It's a good game. Yeah. I have this brain problem where, for some reason, if a game is not, like, 3D with a first- or third-person perspective, I have a hard time getting into it. I guess the only reason I don't really... I never really played too much Dead Cells. Um, it's a fantastic game. Like, it's not my cup of tea. I mean, I played 2D games before. Thing. Like, I played through Braid, you know. Braid's a great one. Yeah, I actually finished that game. But I feel like I finished that out of a sense of obligation. <laughs> more than out of just being drawn <laughs> along by it. Yeah, yeah, I don't have that obligation feeling anymore. I just forget about it now. Oh, if I, I have it, me... I, I leave it behind. I'm better at listening to it than I used to be. Yeah. Part of your thought, bad, because it's like I wasted money. But that's why now that I know that I can just go get a refund for games like Monster Hunter World that I won't worry about it anymore. I should get a refund on Pokemon because that game is bullshit. <laughs> Get my sixty bucks back. Oh, you know what? I think I paid for it with points. That was a waste of points. <laughs> Anywho, um, so biggest disappointment. Drum roll here. And this is actually like one that I had a lot of hype, but it's gonna be Red Dead Redemption 2. Oh boy. <laughs> Let's piss everybody off here. Um yeah, it's an interesting one. Cause so th- there's I- I'm gonna start with the thing. It is like beautiful like the world that they've created is crazy and how like the different areas feel so distinct from one another um like the city that is modeled after new orleans is sick and then you go to the the map and it feels like you're in like oregon basically and it's it's it is like a really like beautiful open world that they've managed to create really similar to like what gta did um the story is also really really compelling and really solid i mean and i i actually the first Red Dead to, to the second one, um, just overall. But the, the problem that what, what pissed me off about it was that Rockstar does that shit where you just they force you into this linear path of things, and the missions get so boring and repetitive that they're almost like tertiary to the world and the story. Like the gameplay is like tertiary to the the other two, to the point where you just like feel like it's a chore. Like, there's a mission, um, and Taylor, you probably remember this, like, in GTA Five, you remember that shitty mission where you have to, like, tow cars and then bring them back? Yes. Yeah. Dumbest fucking mission, right, ever. And there's, there's shit like that in Red Dead 2. It's like, like, people complaining about this. There's a literal, there's a mission in the epilogue where you literally shovel shit for, like, <laughs> <laughs> like 20 minutes, and 
it just felt like a total chore. Like, I actually dropping it after the epilogue because I just wanted to finish the story, really, of the main part. Um, and yeah, it's just, it suffers from this thing where it's like, okay, you have to like ride over here and then you pick someone up and then you ride over here and then you like fucking shoot somebody and then you go back to camp and then you get yourself into trouble and it's all about getting predicaments. And it's like, the story is solid and the acting is really, really good, but they force you into the bullshit where like, there's one way to do it. Like there's a guy on YouTube. Um, I don't know if you've seen his stuff. His name's Nakey Jake. You guys ever followed that guy on YouTube? He sits on a like a bouncy. I've, I've seen him before. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He and so he did a, like a copyright infringement or something. But uh, he did this like forty minute video. About Star needs to like evolve their gameplay mechanics, and it's totally true because they their stories are great and the game the the worlds that they create are great, but they just have shitty gameplay that hasn't evolved. Like it plays the same way the GTA three. Yeah, there's so much. Go here. To do this thing. Yep. Right. Now wait here. Now move yeah. over here. Now go to and, this place. And they hyped it up so much where they were like, you can interact with everything in the world. You, you know, the, the good deeds and bad deeds will in, change your honor and people will treat you differently. And it's like, okay, this sounds awesome. And then you get in and you're like, oh, guess what? You have to fucking go left down this road. And make sure that you don't get noticed. And it all is around like riding your horse. I remember I was at Will's house, not the will that Greg knows, but I was at his house right after that release and I'm watching him play it. Yeah, Destiny will. I'm watching him play it and this what part of this is supposed to be fun? It looks gorgeous, but nothing about this seems fun. This seems like work again. Yeah, that was the big problem with it. It was just a huge, huge disappointment with a bunch of hype around Bold Everyone gobbled it up. Yep. It's, it's, I wish visuals weren't so important to so many people but it doesn't have to be look at dead cells it's a fucking pixelated ass side scroller well i know but just in terms of reaching a mass audience everyone gobbled up red dead redemption 2 yeah the consensus is not that it was a boring slog fest that is a job the consensus is they rockstar did a fucking fantastic job and i'm sure that a lot of that has to do with looking amazing this is some of the first negative feedback i've heard for this game actually Oh, mine is? Yeah. I mean, I don't yeah. follow it or anything. I haven't played it. But you said um, you I've only heard positive things. Auto, right? I didn't play GTA either, no. Have you ever played a GTA? Uh, I might have played, like, G- the first 3D GTA for, like, a hot minute at a LAN party. That's pretty much it, though. Well, so the, the problem that Matt's talking about has plagued every single Grand Theft Auto game. Since 3. Yeah. And it's like even the in four, there's, it's not. It's like it's ride not, around and then do something, and then you ride somewhere else, and then you like pick someone up, and right. then you have some dumb dialogue, and yeah. it's yeah. That's it's part of why I liked five is because the the missions in five that drive the story were actually all, from what I might just be remembering the good ones, but from what I remember, they're all fun. Yeah, but the in Grand Theft Auto four. There's a mission that to progress the story you have to do where you take a girl on a date and you walk around with her talking about bullshit and you go to a fucking video game bowling alley and you have to video game bowl inside yep. of Grand Theft Auto. And it's just it's fucking dumb. Yeah. And it's like a 30 minute long mission that you have to do. And their yep. games are full of that stuff. But then then they but then they run into this stuff where the acting is so good. The stories are really good. But the gameplay is just like whatever. It's like I'd rather 
if, if this was a movie, I'd rather watch that movie. Well, that's what's weird to me is if they removed that stuff, no part of the game's going to suffer. So why have it in there at all? Yeah, no, it totally makes sense. I'll, I'll send you guys the Nakey Jakey video if he's still like uploaded because it's um, it, 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 he perfectly described. It. It's just like the idea about how they just they they just can't escape that old model. Um, is, this, is it the video where he's trying to go into a, a specific location? but he has to follow a certain chain of events to be able to go in the back door. Yep, exactly. Yeah, I watched that. That yep. That's the kind of thing where after playing Breath of the Wild, I just, I'm afraid to try other open world games. Uh, so it purports to be open-ended, have open-ended solutions to problems, but it actually, when you get down right, right down to it, it has only one way of interacting with most things. Exactly. Yeah, I'm going to send you guys the... I'll put, it's more of a gallery of like experiences it. where it's like, okay go here to hop on the whatever ride go here to hop on this ride uh, that kind of yeah. thing which is the way yeah. that like I, I mentioned earlier that the witcher is worth playing for the gameplay i mean excuse me not worth it for the gameplay worth it for the story and that that game knows what it is like it knows that um it knows that you're going to these side quests to experience interesting stories and choices not because the combat's amazing right yeah well so that's um, the thing about all these Rockstar games, though, is if you just handed me Grand Theft Auto V and you didn't put any missions in it, I'm still going to play it because it's it's a big open world where I don't... I have freedom of choice in the way that I can go wherever I want and, for the most part, do whatever I want. But in terms of their storytelling, you have to do this... And that's it. Well, I think that's also why like GTA Online had so much success. Did you ever play it? GTA Online is that we said? Yeah, yeah. I tried to, but the loading times are insane. Yeah, the loading times are horrible, and it's it's kind of in that regard. But like, it, it's cool because it, it is an open world how you want to. That's why you have people just flying around causing terror. Yeah, like that's it's the, <laughs> it's that's awesome. I want to play. It's great fun. Just yeah. killing each other and running over people with cars. But see, that's. That gets stale quickly, though. Yeah, because it's all strangers, right? Well, not just that, but the the action of running over someone with a car, you can only do it so many times before it's, it's only so not much nuance to it. <laughs> yeah, I've never understood the appeal of these games, generally speaking. Yeah, so they, I don't have a lot to add lost, to the conversation. They've worn out. They've worn out their welcome. Yeah, I was hoping one of you guys could could tell me what's what's supposed to be good about games like GTA and Red Dead. The idea know, that you can do anything in the world. But then when you play the story, you can't. <laughs> or the things you can do are so shallow, it doesn't matter. Yeah, exactly. Uh, GTA 5 is the least offender of this problem that I can think of. I yeah. I'm giving it a shot. I agree. And I think the, the other thing that makes GTA 5 interesting is that the, the switching between the three characters. Yeah. I think also, like, it, it's sort of like three different types of missions, too. Um, between, you know, the, the black guy, the fucking cracked out redneck guy, and then the, the rich guy. Um, yeah. Not only that, but it's how they, they figured out how to put fast travel in GTA five by doing that. So you exactly. can eliminate all the downtime. Exactly. And they put, they implemented fast travel in Reddit too. It's shallow as well. Like you got like a train ride or you can do the fast travel from a camp. Well, part of what turns me off about red dead is it's set in the past and there's no fantasy element to it so it just seems limited in terms of fun technology off the wallness 
which is yeah, really they get Grand Theft Auto fun. They get so focused on the hyper realism of it with all the animals and shit. Right. I don't want to like that was that was an element of Far, Far Cry Three that I didn't like. Is to upgrade stuff. I had to go take my time to hunt packs of animals and skin them. Yeah. Yep. A lot of skinning. Wowie zowie. Fun times. Well, that's sad. So, I guess to recap. <laughs> Rockstar bad. Rockstar bad. Uh, yeah, my top three. Dead Cells, Zelda, um, God of War. And then the bad ones. Well, they're not bad. They're disappointments. That was the, the phrasing here. But Red Dead, uh, Call of Duty, Black Ops, and um, Pokemon. Pokemon is bad from what you said. It's just bad. Yeah, that game is just terrible. <laughs> it's not a disappointment. Black Ops, I would argue, too, the sort of progression into the shallow unknown. Right. Greg, did you say your top three and bottom were three? Yeah, I want to say something funny about Pokemon, Pokemon first, which is it, it seems like the kind of game <laughs> that that Jerry would get into and then six months later admit that it's bad. <laughs> <laughs> uh, love you, Jerry, if you're listening, which I'm sure you're not. Um, yeah, so... F, press F to pay respects to Jerry. <laughs> <laughs> Top three, Planet Side 2, the most ballin'-ass MMO shooter ever made. Skyrim, the coolest fucking world to ever be in, ever made in a video game. And WoW Classic, the most meaningful social RPG experience you can have. Big three disappointments. Destiny 2, it's made of plastic. Warframe, space ninjas are gay. Guild Wars 2, fuck that game. Yay, we did it. And only... It- four hours this is brought to you by the cash app (laughs) (laughs) yeah i feel like punch drunk from talking about video games fuck well guys this has been good uh uh punch drunk you know oh like i thought you said punstrom and i didn't know what the hell that meant yeah feeling quite punstrom taylor did you sum yours up do you want to uh i did but i'll do it again just because Black Mesa Source, because it was a refreshing experience. Dishonored series, because it's just some of the most fun gameplay I've had over the past decade. And uh, Limbo, because it's just awesome. And then the worst three are Crisis 2, because I wanted more of Crisis 1 and I didn't get it. Fear 3, because I wanted more of Fear 2 and I didn't get it. And then Bastion, because I wanted something that is not what the game was. All right. Good decade, guys. I'll uh, see you in 10 years. Yeah, see you next Yay. time. For the next podcast. By the time mm. we're done listening to this one, 10 years may have passed. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> All right. Catch All right. you guys later. See you on the flip side. Later.